It's the 21st episode of Falling with Style. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And this is an ongoing Pixar movie marathon podcast. Each episode is dedicated to exactly one movie in the Pixar animated studios canon. Today we're closing the book on a decade full of Pixar sequels with one that no one really expected. It's the fourth and final chapter in the 25-year saga of Sheriff Woody. We're talking about Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4's story is credited to eight different people. The screenplay was written by Andrew Stanton and Stephanie Folsom, and it was directed by Josh Cooley. Toy Story 4 was released widely on June 21st, 2019, a year after Incredibles 2 and nine years after Toy Story 3. Prior to preparing for this conversation, uh, Doug had seen it like once or twice only. And Derek, I know you've seen it, but I don't know how much. I've seen it one time, not long after it came out. We're about in the same boat then, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure if I've seen... I don't remember if I saw this one in theaters or not. I definitely If I didn't. did, I don't remember seeing it in theaters. No. <laughs> I, I saw it shortly after it came out, but it was after it came out, came to Disney Plus for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, you and I are not alone. In fact, we have a bit of a sequel of our own here uh, <laughs> as we are joined once again by Tommy, uh, one of the co-hosts of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast, who previously chatted with us about Toy Story 3. What's up, Tommy? Hey, I've always wanted to be a sequel. Oh, my God. <laughs> Actually, technically, funny enough, I'm the third, so I guess... I am kind of a sequel. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) You're the end of a trilogy. (laughs) I'm the end of a trilogy, which is always the best one. (laughs) Ah, do we already have a take? Yeah, wait, is this, is this, is this? (laughs) Oh, 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 no, definitely not a take. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's one of the reasons I was especially interested in having you, and I wasn't honestly sure if you would come for this one specifically, is I think when we talked about Toy Story 3, you definitely still hadn't watched Toy Story 4 and weren't even sure if you wanted to. Am I remembering that right? 100% correct. Um, yeah, no, I, I, when we talked about it, I, and, and, and I had kind of not even really made the decision. I just, when the movie came out, I was like, I'm not, I'm probably not going to watch this because I feel like 3 ended the trilogy like so mm-hmm. well and i just didn't i just didn't have the interest which was so strange to me because i think i talked about this the last time i was on anytime i think about my favorite film of all time it's always it's always honestly it's usually something that i recently watched because i i just like always <laughs> end up loving something that i recently watched but whenever i think about you know h- historically it always kind of backs up to uh toy story and sometimes even like toy story 3 like i really really liked um i really liked both of those um honestly so i was just kind of like so it was it was strange that i didn't have the desire to really see 4 when it was like announced and again not something that was like vitriolic or like i'm not sure. going to watch that it was just like i'm just 
I just don't have the desire to see it. So I, I don't um, think that's that weird though. I think that's I don't think the it is normal. Re- yeah. I think that was the major. Ma- I think that was the most common response. Honestly, <laughs> well, I can tell you because they announced this movie. There were rumors of this movie even before it was announced, and it was announced in 2014. So it, it had been rumored for a long time. And when rumors started to feel credible and when they finally announced it on like an investor call or something, it wasn't even like a big to-do, people were kind of groaning at first because 2014 wasn't that long after Toy Story 3. It was like five years or something. And Toy Story 3 was like 11 years after Toy Story 2. And like you said, Tommy, everyone considered it like a perfect ending to the series. Um, So I remember the initial reaction being like, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. And I was part of that for sure. I was like, this is a film we don't need. Yeah. and I will say, after seeing it the first time and, and re-watching it now, I do still feel like it's a, a film we don't need, but I think it's a very good movie. And I think it's not an unfitting uh, additional chapter to the series. And we'll get into why, but I am curious, Tommy, like, generally speaking, now that you've seen it, like, f- do you feel good vibes for this one? Not so good vibes for this one? Like, how how what's your general reaction to this one? I feel confused vibes uh to this one okay i feel a good conversation coming on oh yeah (laughs) and 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 here's here's the thing um and i know we're gonna talk like at length about this but like definitely to me there was just there was so much going on in this movie the entire time and what i mean by that was like the number of like guest stars the like the locations like how big it was the kind of uh uh the the different like plot threads and stuff like that it felt like there was like a lot of little tiny things going on even mm-hmm. even just like the opening of the movie it felt like it opened like three different times <laughs> and yeah. i think that's because yeah. it did uh but like it was just there was so much happening but then when you get to kind of like the midway point of the movie it like it truly like starts to shine i feel like and that's where like for me part of it too i think is because the f- the first half of the movie is 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 because there's so much happening and you're kind of almost getting your bearings a little bit where i was just kind of like whoa i was like okay there that's a voice that i recognize who is this person and like oh is that a reference to something like there were so many like little reference points mm. and things like that even too that like the first half of it i was just like what is what is actually happening right now <laughs> um oh man and, and I'm, then I'm so excited. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and I know that there's some like uh, I, I actually I was texting with Derek about this because I discovered that there was some like writer um, changes and things like that oh, that yeah. went on. And so I wonder if that has something to do with it. But um, overall, like I think it's I think it's a fine movie. Um, I'm kind of I th- I think you you had nailed it when you said like it doesn't feel necessary. But I mean. I, at the same time, it's like, what movie is necessary? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, like, things don't need to be necessary right. to be good. Like, you don't have to justify something's existence necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I think like in the 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 legacy of Toy Story, what a weird sentence that is that I just said. Uh, like in like the you know like the legacy movies, like it's it's fine. It doesn't feel like it 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 fit as the ending for me necessarily. Mm. Um, but it also not a bad, like not an overall bad movie. Just like I said, I was just so a little overwhelmed, I think uh, throughout most of the movie. <laughs> yeah, wow. I can see that. And I definitely want to talk about the writers. Cause there are so many of them. 
but Derek, I don't know that you and I have ever, I think we've talked about this movie before. I don't remember specifically uh-huh. what your, I think your general feelings are positive, right? I think you and I are sort of on the same page. Maybe? Yeah, I, I might have to be the Toy Story 4 defender on you because my feelings are <gasps> oh, very positive. Ooh. Oh, I'm very, I think it's a very good movie. I just think I... it's one of those movies. Like I think Toy Story 3 felt necessary once I saw it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess they really did need to close this. And I do feel like parts of this movie felt necessary. But like as a whole, I think if, if there were never another Toy Story movie, I would have been satisfied. Sure. So I'm I curious mean, to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I felt I felt like that when I watched three, that like there's no way to follow up on this or anything. But I think with four, I think that they found a lot of the right things to follow up on to the point mm-hmm. that I kind of like it more than three after Ooh. we watched it. Oh, wow. Like, I, 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 uh, my grand take, I think that I have that, that I felt that kind of clicked into place on watching it this time is that I think toy story three is a finale for people is a finale for like us, the audience who grew up with toy story, yeah, the people mm-hmm. our age, like toy story three, I think is a movie kind of very entrenched in like the meta of it in a way that I think is, is, is good. That makes it effective. It is very much about like you, the viewer having grown up with these characters and having to, you know, reach, reach sort of adulthood and transition into adulthood at the same time, roughly that like Andy is essentially in it. And it's about you reckoning with that. Like the franchise you liked as a kid has now like matured and you, and you've matured with it and are ready to move on. And it's sort of very much about that. So it's the finale of like, it's the finale of Andy. It's the finale of the audience watching it. It's the finale of like the toy story, the toy story ensemble. And I would have said, and and obviously like it is kind of a finale for Woody too, because it's, he's involved in that. But I do think that toy story four, because it sort of doesn't have the baggage of, of, what three had like reckoning with what the end of the trilogy and everything toy story four can just be a little more focused on being a character story about Woody and like Mm -hmm. him moving on in a way that three couldn't because three was about toy story as a whole and the ensemble as a whole and the audience. And I think it's a movie that like, isn't really about the meta. It's more about being in its own universe and just being about Woody as a character, which I think you could argue that maybe toy story three wasn't really because it was so wrapped up in the grander scheme of what the franchise was. I would co-sign that take for sure. I think they're obviously very, very different movies, but we are, we are quickly approaching Lightyear, which is like the Buzz Lightyear movie. I this is this is like a Woody movie. Yeah, the whole series has largely been about Woody, but this is like this is the finale of Woody's story. Yeah, for sure. yeah. I don't yeah. think three really concluded his story. So I get where you're, right. where you're coming from for sure. And it's also, I think, now that we're a few years into like the legacy sequel explosion, it feels more like that than it does part of a trilogy. It feels like your sort of fourth or fifth movie that came years after an original trilogy that mixes some of your prior characters with a whole large cast of brand new ones with the intention that maybe, you know, you could have spinoffs and stuff later with then, but it's just sort of like transitioning into like a new era. Like it felt a lot like that for me. I didn't think about that the first time I watched it, but now that I've seen like the new screen, and stuff like that. I was like, wondering that if that, that was in the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, because it feels a lot like what I mean, there have been other movies that have done that too, but like kind of like the, the new Ghostbusters is like that too. Mm-hmm. But like Scream, especially, because I feel like that the the fifth Scream does that really well, where it is like, no, this this is still following the same characters, but like it's not the same, it's not part of the same like story as the original. It is a new story just involving some of the old ones, which is why I'm a little more comfortable with like 
one of my one of a criticism that I can't argue with that I would agree with is that a lot of the ensemble from the original Toy Story trilogy is sort of like on the back burner in this movie, mm-hmm. but thinking of it from like sort of a legacy sequel kind of way where it's like, it's not really part of the trilogy. It's sort of like an additional movie. That's kind of like its own thing that is just pulling threads from previous movies and also venturing into a new sort of era or new world. I appreciate it a little more in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I, I totally, I, I, 100% sit I think where you're at with it too and, and with regard to like how the story ends up and what it what it does and even like to the to, to what you said about like the ensemble characters and stuff like that for me I think it was more just like it it, it almost felt like such a sh- like system shock a little bit um, <laughs> sure. with how like the some of the tone I feel like and even like some of the the a little bit of the beats and things like that early on just felt I don't know. There was something about it that just felt off. And again, until like that, like mid part of the movie really kicked in. And that's, that's where I was like, okay, I, I understand like what's happening now. And like, everything is making sense. I love that. It was like kind of a closure story um, for Woody. And I love that he actually got the change as well. That was like hinted at in three. I love all of that. I think it was just, and and again, like, I don't, I think the movie was great. Um, It was just like, it, like there's so many part like things that were like thrown at me that I was just like what whoa what yeah. it is like three that. different it that. is like three different movies yeah. for a very long time up yes. until like the very end so mm-hmm. I think that that's a fair a fair assessment yeah well I do and we're we're gonna dig into to a lot of those bits and pieces because there are a lot of bits and pieces um and there are a bunch of storylines happening but I do want to talk a little bit about some of these writers because there are so many of them. Um, the, the screenwriters, like there are only two screenwriters credited and that's Andrew Stanton and Stephanie Folsom, who are also credited with story by credit. So that makes sense. Stanton, we know him, he's co-written every Toy Story movie. Um, he was the director of Finding Nemo and Finding Dorby as as well as Wally, part of the senior creative team, big deal at, uh, Pixar. Folsom, uh, is not a Pixar person. Uh, she's written on a couple episodes of Star Wars Resistance. Um, she wrote on Thor Ragnarok, but due to like weird WGA stuff, doesn't actually have a credit on that, but everybody Mm. knows that she wrote on that and she's working on some stuff now, but that's like her whole, her whole career. Basically (laughs) the other story by people, we have Josh Cooley, who's the director of the movie. He was a story artist on a bunch of Pixar films during the mid to late aughts and was one of the screenwriters for Inside Out. Um, He's not at Pixar anymore, but he is currently uh, working on, I guess, a prequel in the Transformers film series. I don't know that anybody knows what the prequel is, but that's what he's doing. Hmm. And he's also attached to a couple things as writer and director that are in the stage where it's like, I don't know if if he's going to be with them or if he's like attached to them, if that makes sense. Sure. One of those is Malamander, which I guess is a book adaptation for Sony Pictures, and Little Monsters, which Whoa. is a universal monsters film aimed at like all ages. So, Oh, that's awesome. Uh, oh, I thought it was yeah. going to be a little, like, it, uh, is it a remake? That's what I of, thought too. Re- <laughs> so it's not a remake of the Howie Mandel. No, it's monsters. part of the universal monsters, like, oh. b- like franchise and brand. I mean, I thought cool what you too. thought first. Yeah. Either way, I'm, I'm here for it regardless yeah. of which of those things it is. So, so that's what he's <laughs> gone on to do. Um, but he comes, I mean, he comes from, you know, being a Pixar person. Yeah. There's also Valerie LaPointe. Um, and she, I think the sort of most notable thing about her, and this will make sense when we talk a little bit more about Bo Peep. Um, she is a storyboard artist and writer for Pixar. Um, but specifically she wrote and directed the short lamp life. I don't know if either of you watched that. No, um, mm-hmm. it's an animated short that essentially tells like the quick, 
version of Bo's story between getting sold by Andy's mom to becoming a lost toy. So like all that stuff, it's basically like an extra scene to the movie. They literally could have slotted it right in there. Sure. Um, but there's already so much happening that I get why they didn't want to. Um, it also like explains why her staff is broken and why she doesn't have her bonnet anymore. And just like little things like that. Yeah. There's also a guy named Martin Hines. This is his only Pixar credit and he doesn't have a ton of credits to begin with. This is the type of thing Derek and I have been running into a bunch, Tommy, with some of these like the movies of this particular era in Pixar's history. He is very clearly brought on because he wrote and directed, I believe, an award-winning road trip movie where the protagonist was specifically searching for a long lost relative, which makes sense given sure. where some of these this story originated. Um, this was originally much more of a like intentional search for Bo Peep mm-hmm. as opposed to like bumping into Bo Peep. So sure. it's clear why he gotcha. was brought on here. Now we get into some of the stuff that, that we've been alluding to uh, yeah. and referenced before. Three more story by people, if you can believe it. <laughs> Rashida Jones and Will McCormick, who are a writing duo, uh, but they're also both very famous in their own right. Uh, both are known for a variety of things in acting, writing, directing, producing, all over the place. Folks likely recognize Rashida Jones from Parks and Rec, Angie Tribeca, or uh, Black AF, and McCormick from roles on a bunch of TV shows like Sopranos, Dirt, In Plain Sight, they're very recognizable folks. It was a big deal when they were announced as writers from the onset. They were attached to the project really, really early on, but they left the project in 2017. And according to their statement, the split was due to, this is a quote, creative and more importantly, philosophical differences. And then it went, they went on to describe Pixar as having a quote, culture where women and people of color do not have an equal creative voice. So that's why they claim to have left and i have no reason not to believe them because if you put sure. it in context yeah being brought on at 2014 this is like in the middle of this decade where most of the things were sequels so it was mostly projects that were already pixar projects or projects that were being made by people who were long pixar people uh who are all basically white dudes mm-hmm. <laughs> um and at the time of this movie like right like when they left uh pixar the senior creative team was 17 members deep and only one of them was women. Only a few of them were people of color. Um, Currently there's 21 members of the senior creative team. Four of them are women, about a third are people of color. So it's like better, but still not where you would want it to be. Yeah. Especially knowing like what happened with brave and everything like Mm -hmm. beforehand. Yeah. it, it, It all checks out. Exactly. And and there's a, a, a pretty famous-ish in the context of Pixar essay from like a former, uh, I think, animator who talks about Brave and talks about Rashida Jones all in the wake of uh, John Lasseter, you know, <laughs> leaving the company, which I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit, just in a sec. Um, and I just want to <laughs> note that I don't think, I don't think, I don't know like these people's like deep family histories or anything, but I don't believe a black person has ever been part of Pixar's senior creative team. Um, Hmm. so I'm not surprised, uh, that Rashida Jones and Will McCormick were like, I like, where are your not white people? You know what I mean? Like, where are they? Sure. Um, and, and it's weird with, with animation time or any movie production timelines, but especially animated movie production timelines, because a lot of them take like seven years to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, you know, there were movies that were being released like Coco in 2017, um, but we talked about the history of Coco, you know, like it didn't, it wasn't even conceived by 
folks who are Mexican. So, right. you know, it's it's not surprising that this would be the philosophical difference that they're talking about. And I think it sheds a little bit of light on the sort of reckoning uh, that we're bumping into in Pixar's history that I'm happy we will be able to sort of move through and into a new era yeah. very yeah. soon here. <laughs> I'm glad that they were so outspoken about that because I, yeah. I, I imagine that was instrumental in like the shift to where Pixar is at now, you know? I would think so. Oh, I, yeah. I would think... Even if it weren't already in the cards, if you have somebody, if you have a writing duo as, uh, you know, um, prestigious, I guess, as Rashida Jones and Will McCormick basically saying, like, this company you love actually doesn't value women or people of color at all, <laughs> like, you would start yeah. to do something to try to fix that. Well, what's funny, and when I, I saw Rashida Jones' name pop up in the credits, and I was like, whoa, wait, what? Um, and Yep. I immediately like Googled, you know, Rashida Jones Toy Story 4, and that's all that pops up, right? Like, it's just the obviously like the news about like the departure and stuff like that. So, like, thinking about it from a perspective of like, you know, if you're an audience member, you're someone watching this and you just see like a recognizable name like that pop up and then you yep. look it up like, yeah, I, like, so it, it, it does make sense that this could, this is probably, you know, one of the, one of the things that's like, helping with like a lot of that um moving forward um like like you had said Doug that's that's happening with it um and and, it, and it's also funny too because and I keep using funny I don't mean to say funny but uh I remember now I when, when Rashida Jones was announced and I, I I feel like Derek we might have even talked about it like when they first <laughs> mentioned that they were attached to the to the movie and being like well maybe it'll be okay or something like that you know what I mean yeah. like sure but I had completely forgotten that that she had worked on this and then yeah when I did the googling I was like oh okay <laughs> this makes sense um that this happened <laughs> mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's unfortunately i mean like the specifics obviously are you are sort of unique to the situation in how outspoken they were about why they left um but the sort of like reworking and lots of rewriting and like replacing of people is not necessarily an uncommon story in pixar's history yeah it's just that this one involves so many different factors that it's kind of like a wonder that toy story four got made and is good (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep you know (laughs) it's kind of amazing because the other thing that we got to talk about that derek and i have mentioned many times we were going to talk about and i'm not going to talk about it forever because at this point most people know the deal right is john lasseter this is john lasseter was initially intended as the director and executive producer of this movie he was supposed to direct it he was supposed to executive produce it he did step down in 2016 but that is well before any of the like john lasseter like expose or essays or anything like that, right? Uh-huh. He simply stepped down because he was doing too much. He he never should have been directing a movie in the first place. He was overseeing multiple animation studios and by his own count, like two dozen films as, as you know, whatever. So he wasn't attached sure. to this anymore, but he did overlap with Jones and McCormick for at least a couple years, which I think is notable mm-hmm. because, and we're speculating, but it does seem pretty clear that John Lasseter and Brenda Chapman had a hard time seeing eye to eye, if you will. So sure. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Rashida Jones ran into some of that same stuff. Yeah. But uh, this is his last credit on an animated film. This movie is uh, for either Walt Disney Animation or Pixar. Uh, his actual final credit is on like a docu-series 
um, on Disney Plus later later in 2019. This all follows what everybody kind of knows at this point, which is John Lasseter's 2018 exit from his role as like one of the most important people at Disney, as like chief creative officer of Pixar and Disney, following allegations of sexual misconduct. If you didn't know, that's why he left, uh, or or kind of had to leave. There really wasn't much of a choice. Um, and this was all in anticipation. This is what I don't know if people know anticipating knowing it was coming a November 2017 story from the Hollywood reporter about his history of like inappropriate touching unwanted sexual advances, John Lasseter, like out like less than an hour, I think before the actual Hollywood reporter story went out, like released a statement saying like, I'm stepping away. I'm taking a hiatus. I know, I know, I know <laughs> Like I'm out. And then basically stuck around for like another year. Like he went on hiatus um, they announced he would officially be leaving in June 2018, and he officially left at the end of 2018. Wait, did you say he released a statement before the story dropped or after? Technically before, but because they knew it was coming. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, The Hollywood Reporter was working on a story, and clearly Pixar found out they were working on this story and said, John... It's time, buddy. (laughs) So does that mean that, like, I assume, I guess the Hollywood Reporter probably just, like, reached out to them and was like, hey, by the way, this is what's coming? Or is it more likely that Pixar just put the pieces together? I'm just trying to think of, like, this is, like, a very minor detail, but, like, were they giving them, like like the news in advance or like what happened with that? I doubt they were giving them news in advance, but Derek, this might be more your realm of how this type of stuff shakes out. I've seen it both. I have seen it where the um, publication will like give the people involved a heads up that it's going to be dropping because that way they, at least there's a little bit of pressure off. So they like, especially when you're dealing with like powerful rich people and companies that way it's not because if there's at least a little bit of like um, goodwill from the publication to be like, Hey, don't shoot the messenger here because we're publishing the story. We gave you a heads up. So don't like come up and attack us. Um, Or even if they didn't do that, they probably were doing interviews with people who worked at Pixar and stuff like that. So word's going to go around that way regardless. So I don't, I don't think it was any like unethical or or anything bad happening. I think that that's just sort of the, the information was going to get out there no matter what. I don't think there was any way to drop something that big without, without it, um, without someone knowing about it, you know, it wouldn't have been a surprise no matter what. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily like salacious in the timeline. It's Hollywood reporter just notes that as we were preparing the story, Pixar released its statement. Yeah. So they dropped on the same day within, you know, within an hour of each other. That all makes sense. Yeah. I just, I, I, I assumed it was something like that, but I wasn't sure if it was, there was more to the story that I didn't know about or something like (laughs) that. Yep. Because you never so this know. Is, <laughs> you never yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It could always be something much more interesting. You know what I mean? Like you just, you never know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this officially marks, this officially marks the end of John Lasseter at Pixar, which for us is a big deal because obviously we talked about John Lasseter being a major figure, if not the most major figure in Pixar's history. Right. right. Um, in case you were wondering if successful white men can be held accountable for sexual misconduct, um, it should be noted that in January of 2019, less than a month after his official exit from all things Disney, John Lasseter was hired as head of animation at Skydance's new animation division, where he will serve as producer for all of their films, the first of two which are directed by women. So that's cool. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so immediately Skydance said, hey, 
Want to come over here and oversee our films being directed by women? Ugh. Yikes. What cool. has Skydance done? Skydance Animation hasn't done anything yet. Oh, okay. Their first film They're comes new. out in August of 2022. They're okay, brand gotcha. spanking new. Yeah. Gotcha. If you have Apple Plus, you'll see it probably advertised to you very, very much. Because I think that's their distribution partner right now. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Cool. Uh, I, it wasn't originally. I think that's that's a result of the pandemic. I think they found... Uh, a streaming distributor uh, as yeah. their, their partner. But it is a bummer. Luckily, there are some folks who have walked away from projects as a result of that. So it's not like no one's raising a stink over it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. That's the that's the end of John Lasseter here. We we never have to talk about him ever again. God, thank God. <laughs> and Good. we enter after this film like a new era that seemingly celebrates everything uh, <laughs> that, you know, maybe maybe John Lasseter was enabling uh, within yeah. within his company. So it's been a shadow hang over things for a long yep. time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hawaiian shirts. They're out, everybody. No more of them. <laughs> Now hold on a second. Uh-huh. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Yeah. <laughs> I did. You know, I read. I read like uh, a, this brief article or or whatever about like one of his town halls that he hosted at Skydance Animation because obviously people who were working there before he was brought on were not thrilled that he was brought on. I'm sure some were, but some were obviously pissed. Um, and in the write up, it was like notably. Uh, in not wearing one of his signature Hawaiian shirts, but you know, just a plain green. Sh- I was like, oh my gosh, this is all so like, this is so PR, right? Like, I'm not fun <laughs> anymore. I'm very serious. I'm taking everything very seriously, you guys. Jeez. Okay. Cool. So Thanks. corny. It also yeah. just feels it. like a, but you know, like it's it's the it's this guy. Like you know what I mean? Like it feels very like I don't know. Like yeah, ugh, I I everything it's, about that's. Awful. It's gross. It's it's. Yep. It, I think this comes up a lot more in sports, where it's like uh, a high-profile athlete is like a shitty just person, but the that. team won't get rid of them because they're because then that person will become their opponent on another team. That's what it is. So it's honestly yeah. it's honestly amazing that Disney was willing to even push John Lasseter in that direction um, because they knew that he was going to get picked up by somebody else. No, yeah, I, it's funny. You said, literally the first example I thought of was like the NFL of like, yep. oh, people will like release. I mean, I think there's Deshaun Watson's like a huge example right now of like someone who's like been a, accused of sexual misconduct, but just got picked up by another team. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like that exact same thing where it's like, well, there's there's talent in this person. It's like, fuck yep. off. Like, get yep. out of here. And I remember thinking that at this time, I was like, he's not, there's no way this man doesn't work in animation again. And it's, it's upsetting. It's a bummer. And he's, what's going to be really disappointing to watch, unfortunately, not to like make this bummer last even longer, but like, he's going to bring people from Pixar that he's worked with to make movies over at Skydance. It's already happening. Um, So get ready for that. (laughs) That's, I mean, that sucks. (laughs) Like, I I just, there's Uh no other, like, it it's 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 so deflating because it's like i mean the way you put it doug of like (laughs) in case you were wondering if like a high profile like uh (laughs) white man can like still work after this like yes they can it's like and and it's like of course they can like because eh, anyway yep because they're (laughs) overvalued baby yeah so yeah but here not do anything sorry yep done no you're 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 good here in our home here on falling with style we're done with him. Yeah. <laughs> He's I'm out. so happy for y'all. I'm so happy for y'all. 
So I guess, I mean, I guess technically except this last thing, but like people ask why a fourth movie, right? And basically John Lasseter's answer was they said they'd never do it. He had a conversation with some of the senior creative teams. He couldn't stop thinking about it. And this is his property. So, you know, that's how it happened. (laughs) It's kind of the same reason that Cars 3 got made. John Lasseter wanted it to happen. And so it happened. That's the official last thing about John Lasseter. Cool. Let's talk Shall about we talk about now. this good movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I, th- I feel like the we don't always start with the beginning of a movie. We sometimes just dive in wherever we feel like it. But I do feel like the start of this movie is really interesting. And Tommy, you've already mentioned it. Because this movie notably does not open with like a toy playing scene. You know, like mm-hmm. the first one opens with Andy playing with his toys. And the subsequent ones are like these big imaginative um like scenes uh that reflect Andy playing with his toys. This one opens with the story of how Bo Peep leaves, which is something people were asking in Toy Story 3. They only mm-hmm. reference her being gone, but they never explain it and and they just pick right up with that. Yeah, it was a I, again like I when I first started watching this and I saw Andy's room and I was like oh wait what (laughs) like it was definitely like uh it was definitely like one of those things where it was like what are they doing now like I don't Mm -hmm. I don't know what's about to happen um because like for me I knew I knew uh, I almost called him Sporky I knew Forky um (laughs) like I knew that was the big thing and and I had a lot of expectations as to what that was going to be about which we can talk about in a bit but like when it showed up in Andy's room, I was like, oh, they're doing, they're obviously doing like a flashback, but I didn't know what was, what was to come. Um, and I, I, I will say that whole section was beautiful. I really liked Oh my gosh. Everything about it. Like it was, it was set up in such a way that was like so quickly devastating. Um, Mm -hmm. like, like the, the, the way the sequence plays out, you're not expecting it like to what, what happens to happen. Um, and I just loved it. It happens pretty quick, and they—it's kind of like uh, you know—they they set it up with like we might lose RC. They save RC yeah. after this big sort of like flashy uh, scene where they like save RC, and then in a moment, Bo Peep is gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it that really was like kind of a a little bit of a a gut punch because it's just like I, I and 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 I didn't even I, honestly I should have put it together, but like. I didn't even know that's where it was going to go. Like, I really didn't. I thought it was just going to be like a flashback scene. They save someone and then it was going to like cut to like Bonnie's room. And like, you know, later on, they're going to have to like save. I keep almost saying Sporky. Save Sporky. (laughs) Because he's a spork. spork. Uh, Save Sporky. And like, there's like a whole monologue with like, you know, Woody being like, but he's actually a toy, like kind of thing, you know, to like rally the troops. Um, But then when Bo Peep goes, I was like, wait. I was like, oh, that's right. Bo Peep was gone. Like, I didn't I didn't even put that together. Mm-hmm. So no, I think they did it like a really, really great job handling that because it was like yeah. it was it was really gut wrenching too. like when when it actually just happens. Um, and, and then the scene, too, where they're like they're under the car and talking. Um, yeah, it was so uh, it was just so heartbreaking, um, yeah. but just done so well. The rain in that sequence is Dude. so good. Yeah. It was impossible for me not to think of like the scene in Toy Story 1 that happens around that same window and in that same driveway. <laughs> yes. I guess it's technically the new house, but like just yeah. that same setup, right? And being like if you if you showed me Toy Story 4 
when all I'd ever seen was Toy Story 1, my <laughs> head would have exploded. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the it would anim- have blown up. Yeah, the animation in this one um, is just, it's so incredible. <laughs> like yeah. it's so just vastly different than the first one <laughs> it feels so redeeming to to see like child andy not looking like a fucking freak anymore <laughs> okay can i tell you it is very easy to find people who were like pissed about that and i was like do you not remember how fucking ugly andy was yeah. sorry like, how he terrifying looks- he looked <laughs> he looks like a human now sorry like i think that's objectively better <laughs> i agree i agree no more like concave forehead or whatever mm-hmm. like yeah no human <laughs> look like humans you know cartoonified obviously but like they look like actual humans it's funny doug i thought you were gonna say that scene reminded you of in the first movie where they're buzz and woody are fighting under the car um mm-hmm. because i had like a i had like a flashback to that moment because that's like the other like under car scene that mm-hmm. uh, that happens and and obviously this one is like the complete opposite where it's bo peep basically just saying like Oh, and that that was the other thing. Actually, oh my god. I didn't put together when she was saying, oh, sometimes toys get lost or get put in a box or whatever. Yep. The whole time, I was like, oh, she's talking about like why it's okay for her to have to leave. And then I was like, oh no, she wants him to come with her. Yeah. I didn't I didn't yep. realize that um until like like a little bit later on in that sequence and I was like, oh. And then it like really, really hit me and I was like, oh, that's really yeah. sad. <laughs> That's the thing. This this movie is kind of about how kind of self-destructive Woody is for the sake of the kids he's pledged loyalty to. Mm-hmm. And like it sort of I mean, I feel like, you know, there was the conversation way back in the first Toy Story where like Woody is kind of a jerk in that movie and he has to get over being a jerk. And they even had troubles writing the movie because he was such a jerk in their yep. scripts and they had to make him less of a jerk. And like all, the whole root cause, like it kind of gets back to the whole root cause of why he was a jerk in the first place is because like he is so obsessively dedicated to the child that he belongs to that it almost like it's to almost often to the detriment of either himself or sometimes the people around him. So like he could never have a real, if he is a sentient being, even if he has a mission to like be a child's toy, he it's like to the detriment of ever having a relationship with any other toy in existence. Like he mm-hmm. can't, he can't ever, he always has to be at arm's length because the child is always going to come first. And like, at least, you know, with Andy, Andy obviously needed him throughout it. That's the whole point of the trilogy and everything. But it's sort of like this movie is kind of reckoning with, the idea of like yeah but what do you get 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 something for yourself man like <laughs> you've, you've done enough you've been alive for a very long time it's fine. oh my god woody is like 70 years old or something ridiculous yeah yeah um i guess in this movie like 60 but if you think about it you know his journey is really fascinating because you're right like he starts off as this jerk because he's like overprotective of his place as as andy's favorite toy and that's like his yep. kid you know what i mean um and all he needs to do is like get back to andy and it'll be fine and then he has this weird moment in the second movie where he has to remember that that's important but then it's almost like it gets reinforced too much in that second one right it's like he's made such a grave mistake of like forsaking his child that like now he will never ever 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 get to that point again so in three the whole thing is like the whole cast in three is resigned to moving on like very early on they're like you know what andy doesn't want us anymore like some of them are having a crisis about it but once they see like other kids exist they're fine 
Woody's the only one in that whole movie that's like, we have to get back. Like we must go back. Right. Um, and then you, yeah, that's, I think that's why this movie feels necessary for Woody kind of only right. Where it's like, yeah, he actually didn't figure his shit out. Like he wasn't at peace. He just, he only got back to the point he was already at by being with a kid that reminded him of, or needed him in the same way that Andy did. The, the cycle was going to repeat, you know? Right. Oh man. I, I love that because I think, I think part of my initial issue was it felt like Woody had like a little bit of a backslide. Um, and, and my whole thing was, I was like, is he upset that he's not like the favorite toy anymore? Um, but as the movie kind of like progresses, you realize like, it's not that he isn't the favorite toy anymore. It's more that like, he has put so much of himself into being there for the child. And the only way in this film for him to be there for uh, Bonnie is by like saving this fork creature, you know, that, that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that she made, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so like, I, I think that was part of my struggle too. Initially early on in the movie was, it was like, is this just like going back to the first movie where he's like, it, it's, I knew he wasn't jealous of, like, Forky, obviously, but it was, like, is he, like, doing all of this because he's not being played with enough? And, like, is it that for him where he's just, like, not, you know, in charge? And I feel like they kind of, like, set that up a little bit, too, with, uh, is it Dolly, I think is her name? Um, Mm -hmm. Where she's, like, kind of, like, commanding the room and he's, like, not in charge anymore. And so that's why I was, like, a little, like, kind of uneven early on where I was, like, I don't know what his motivation necessarily is. Is it that he's not the one in charge and not the favorite toy? Or is it that he just wants something? Like, and and I I love the way that y'all just explained it, though, of, like, he he's not really taking care of himself. It's more about the loyalty to the child. Um, yeah. I think, or, like super early on, and and even yeah. later in the film. Like, who is he? Who is he if he isn't if he isn't needed by a yes. child? Like, he has no purpose outside that's, of that. That's exactly it. And they yep. even address it at one point. We'll talk way more about Forky. I feel like because I feel like there's a lot there, even though he's not that huge of a piece <laughs> of this movie in the way you would think. Yeah. yeah. Um. But but Forky considers himself trash and considers his purpose fulfilled. He says, like, I am made to help someone eat food, and I did that. My purpose is fulfilled, right? So, and I think that line's really important because I think that's what Woody's motivation is. It's not that he's not a favorite. It's not even that he's not considered the sheriff anymore or that he's in charge of the toys. It's that, like, he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And so Forky comes along, and you're right. He's not jealous of Forky, so he's clearly grown beyond Toy Story 1, yep. right? But he's just like, okay, well, I guess this is my purpose is making sure that Bonnie has the one thing she wants, even though so many characters are like, Bonnie won't care. Bonnie, you're the one making this a big deal. Bonnie will not care. <laughs> yeah. She'll know? care for like a day, but then yeah. she's, she's a kid. Like she's going to get over it. Like, yeah, that's the whole point of like childhood is like you make and break and like lose shit and you find a way to like, you right. know, deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that like that's kind of what this because the first two movies are really about like they're sort of existential <laughs> in a, a number where there's kind of like two sides of the same existential coin. Um, and then that third one deals with a lot. Um, probably a lot with purpose too, but this one really feels like purpose driven. It's like he's lost his purpose and he needs to find it in a place he never wanted to look. Yeah. And a big piece of that is like running back into Bo Peep. Yeah. Right. Right. Bo Peep. We got to talk about Bo Peep. I mean, she's yes. like the second protagonist of this movie. And it was a huge deal when they revealed Bo Peep for this movie because she is completely redesigned. And if this movie didn't happen, gosh, almost two decades after we last saw her, 
she's basically a different character. Like they, if, if, yeah. if this movie weren't two decades later, I don't think they would have been able to basically be like, yeah, she's also completely different. Yeah. <laughs> Cause sure. you can at least accept that like time has passed, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, to be fair, she never really had that much of a character in the first two yeah, movies. She was just like the nice kind of love interest to Woody. And she technically um, wasn't a resident of the room. She was yeah. Hannah's Hannah's yeah. lamp. <laughs> yeah. She was like a cool idea for a toy, but then it's sort of like Jesse shows up and it's sort of like, well, we got another girl, so we need to get rid of that girl. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. And well, and then Jesse takes a backseat in this one when Bo Peep is comes forward. So that's still not great. But yeah, anyway. I was going to say they have a, they <laughs> seem to have trouble like having like multiple like strong women. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. It took them until like what? 2021 <laughs> to have yeah. more than two women that spoke to each other in a Pixar movie. <laughs> yep. Cool. Good job, guys. <laughs> um, no, I, but I loved like the redesigned Bo Peep. Like I thought she was awesome. I love just kind of like her whole vibe and like aesthetic, mm-hmm. like the, like <laughs> the, the freaking skunk car, like it's okay. so was funny. <laughs> so good. Like I loved everything about that. Um, I, I also just liked her character development too, where like she obviously was like, you know, they, they they have like this monologue early on where when they, when they first reintroduce her and Woody, where Woody's talking about her time like as the lamp, like, and it's it's funny like the 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 dichotomy like there of like oh she was like this stationary object essentially like as a lamp for someone, mm-hmm. and then now she's just you know out on her own doing everything that she wants to do and whatever she wants to do. Um, and so it's a, it was a really smart way to kind of like have that juxtaposition and like set that up. Um, and I think that they, they really nailed her character in this movie. I really, really loved everything about her. Yeah. yeah. Lamp life is really cool too, because it gives you some idea of like her journey in like choosing who she wanted to be. Like you get that from this movie, you get that like she's chosen who she wants to be. And it, you never really feel like you need to, que- I never felt like I needed to question it. I just was no. like, I guess this is what Bo Peep's been up to, you know, yeah. but lamp life is cool because it, she goes through this journey of like, I'm a lamp. No, I'm a toy, but I guess I'm not really a toy. Cause I'm just a lamp. And then she like sits in the <laughs> antique shop for a while. And is like, this is nice because toys aren't con- or like kids aren't constantly trying to break me. And then after a while, she's like, actually this fucking sucks. Cause I kind of miss kids. <laughs> so like you get to see that like her whole thing has led to like her decision to be a lost toy. She's a, lost toy not because she was actually lost but she like chose it and it's really cool yeah Yeah. she has such conviction in this movie in a way that i feel like none of our other protagonists in this series ever do like side characters are sort of convict like they have a conviction right but like woody has his own stuff going on obviously buzz had to go through a whole identity journey jesse and and uh bullseye are affected by their circumstances like none of our protagonists ever are fully like have full strong convictions. It's cool that Bo Peep does. She's like, like when you, like if you encounter people that like live off the grid, like by choice, it's just like, I'm not part of the system, man. Like I don't have to get a job. Like you did. I'm living on, on my own, like living on my own, you know, like she's, she's like that. And it's sort of like there, I mean, yeah, there is like, like you're sort of like, obviously you're sacrificing the benefits of, of living in a civilization, but the freedom to literally do whatever you want. Like that is something that's very enticing. And if you're the kind of person who is willing and has the uh, ability and the conviction to make that choice, like, 
I, you're going to be happy, I think, but you have to be, you have to have that conviction to make that choice, you know? And what's cool is she's like a parallel to Woody, but off the grid, right? Like she's not necessarily in charge of the lost toys, but she sort of like is in a leadership role and that like she, she helps them and she helps toys find their purpose outside of the societal expectation of a toy. She like drives her skunk around with like materials to like help people <laughs> and like, you know, but she's not right. like in charge. She's just, yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It's just, it's really cool. It's like a, a freer, more anarchist version of Woody, the sheriff. Hell yeah. Also, I was just going to say, uh, like I would choose living out of a skunk car over living in civilization any day. <laughs> like, yeah. Any fucking yeah. day. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I can't remember. She's kind of an icon now, honestly. Yeah, yeah she's great. Um, and I, I love, too, that the introduction to her is so, like, it's so action-packed as well. And it's, like, it's complete, again, like, they do a really good job of, like, taking, breaking the mold with her, really. Because, like, you know, mm-hmm. she was that kind of, like, stiff, like, Bo Peep toy, like, in the first two movies um and then like the first introduction is her like taking charge and like taking the lead and like running you know through this like obstacle course of children essentially um and like the moment where she like grabs the frisbee and like they run behind the frisbee i was like oh that's so dope like i loved everything about like like all of that whole sequence like they really did a great job like reintroducing her they put a whole team together involving, you'll be pleased to know, many women at Pixar. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, called Team Bo uh, to basically decide how to make her, you know, this new version of Bo Peep. And they they basically said we wanted her to be an action star, but we wanted her not to lose, like, the fact that she is part of, like, a, you know, little Bo Peep lamp made for babies or whatever. <laughs> um, so they were like, we want an action star, but we want, like, her to keep that sort of like feminine, like grace, they called it. And they said, like, we looked at gymnasts, we looked at dancers, um, and we looked at action stars. And they specifically cite like the bride from Kill Bill and Ray from Star Wars are like their two examples that I saw a bunch of times. So it's like, we want dancers, we want lace, and we want the bride. (laughs) It's fucking cool combo. Yeah. And they, (laughs) they nailed it. Like they really did. Yeah, it's very, very cool. She also just looks really cool. I I do understand and I think kind of agree with some of the criticisms of like, I think her face had to look completely different for her to be a protagonist because she has, she has like a really, really like kind of creepy face in the first two if you look at it too much. Mm -hmm. Um, So they needed to do something to have her express in ways that are a little bit less uncomfortable. Uh, But they did kind of go in a pretty far like typical quote, Disney Pixar, like modern Disney Pixar princess direction. So I get that criticism, but she just sure. looks so fucking cool. And like she she finally gets to look ceramic. Like yeah. I, I I don't think I was ever confident that that's what she was supposed to be until this movie came out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the the yeah, and it, it's interesting because like she, her face is like ceramic, but like the rest of her, I know her arms are, but like I don't know if like her like clothes and things like that in in this movie that she's wearing like there was a really nice the way they animated it it was like a, a nice like kind of um, difference between like how the porcelain parts of her body looked and then like the rest of her body um, yeah. they, it was it was a really at first it was like really striking because I was like in like a kind of a weird way but then I was like oh that's right like she's made of like a different material and they like animated it so well that you could really tell. <laughs> Well, I don't know how clear they could have made it in those first two movies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know if it was clear that she was porcelain. You could kind of assume from her face that she was probably porcelain, but they couldn't make porcelain. And then like, 
I don't think they, I would have to go back and watch. I don't know that they were like animating her clothes in ways that were like realistic cloth. No, I, um, no, I think it looked like in the original movies, it, it looks like, like pretty her clothes static, are, right? It looks like her clothes are also porcelain. Like, I feel like yeah. that's a thing that they shifted in this movie specifically. But they don't go so far to like abandon her outfit, right? Like she wears her skirt now as a cape, which I think yep. is fucking rad as hell. It's super even, cool. Yeah. You even see like the, the fringe from her skirt is still on her cape. Um, and she has a bow now because in, you know, I guess like her bonnet was set on fire by one of her former kids or whatever. Like, so they, they have like all these like, tra- like ways that they transform her without completely being like, eh, you know, let's just scrap the old one. You know, yeah. still I think plenty it, of cues there. I think in the first one, um, just, I think that the, like a lot of the indications that she's, she's made of porcelain are like sound cues. Cause I remember there's like a, there's like a scene early on where like Andy's like not like tapping her on the ground. And I, mm. I distinctly remember it being like a different sound than like some of the other toes. I could be totally wrong about that. So, uh, no, don't. but that's how they would have had to do it. Right. Yeah, like think, they would have had to do it entirely through Foley yeah. and through just sound design. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I, I, I also like what, what was this? Like, what was the skunk car? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't quite like place what that was. Like it was just an RC car. Like I got that part, but then yeah. like, what was the rest of the skunk? <laughs> like, what was that made of? Um, I don't, I don't there know. Actual like hunting things like that. Oh, that exists? is that what it was? I, I don't know for sure, but I think that you can get like, like hunting, like, uh, like RC basically things huh. like, like that look like like small woodland creatures i think unless that's just the thing i saw in a movie once i don't, I don't know if that's i don't know i mean if I that in real life but i feel like that makes sense i mean it's either it's either an rc car that they like retrofitted to look like a skunk or it's that you know it's like meant for it's, it's not necessarily a toy as as much as it's meant for like another purpose I yeah. just I just googled hunting RC skunk and Uncle Milton's RC skunk remote control drones at Sportsman's <laughs> Guide came up. There so yep. there you go. Okay. Wow. Our Ooh. hunting expert, Derek. I was <laughs> growing up in the country, man. <laughs> Got the it. instincts. I was nervous at first. The reason I asked because I was like, did that come from like another toy? Like, did she like kill a toy? Skin a toy. <laughs> Put its toy? body over a car. <laughs> she learned from sid her neighbor there are a lot of questions there though because you know this Uh like what can come to life like i don't know questions this movie refuses to answer uh, according to the post credits or like mid-credit scenes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they know they know yeah why would they (laughs) yeah but She's cool. She also, I, I know I, I have said so much about the porcelain, but like she has freaking porcelain micro cracks. Like she's, oh, yeah. she's fucking glazed. Like it's just, it's incredible. <laughs> it's so incredible. I don't know. She's just, she's really, really cool. And I, yeah. I love that, you know, Annie Potts, who is the original voice of Bo Peep, like gets to be a freaking action hero in this one. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love that they, like, she got to actually do something in these movies other than just yeah. be like, oh, Woody. Like, uh-huh. she to be like literally the deuteragonist of this movie. I love it. Yep. One thing that's interesting do you feel like this movie goes to like great lengths to avoid explicitly calling them like a romantic couple? Because it was very obvious in the first one that they were. She literally like kisses him a bunch, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, hundred yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> percent. And then and then they have like 
what you thought was going to be a movie ending kiss in this one. And then they don't kiss. I swear. I remembered them kissing. I was like, Oh, that's right. This is where they do. Like they and actually they have a kiss. It's kind and they of don't. Weird. It is a good, I mean, cause you know, that's a good point that you bring up that they do kiss in the original ones. I guess they never show them like kissing on the lips. It's always like she kisses them all over his face or whatever right. on his cheek or something like that. Yeah. And, 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 and I guess they maybe thought it would be a little bit too weird to have the toys literally like actually do like a real movie kiss on the lips. Maybe I would have been here for it. Though. I don't I think it would have been that kiss. weird. Yeah. Especially I, I in a modern one where they don't really look like, I mean, they look like toys, but they don't like move or feel like toys when people yeah. are watching them, you know, no, well, why, they should have kissed. I'm mad that they didn't actually. Yeah, why not I agree have a you. flashback to like, or, or, or not a flashback, but a callback to her just like kissing him on the cheek or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like Doesn't that she been... dip him. Isn't that how it goes in the first? Yeah. One? Yep. Yeah. So and like that would have been perfect for this movie. <laughs> and I think he has like a bunch of like lipstick marks on him. Like he that does. was he the does. scene. Yeah. So like, yeah. Which I, that begs a lot of questions. Yeah. Like, yeah, wait, yeah. Well. <laughs> but anyway, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> we have much bigger fish to fry in that arena. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I just thought it was strange. Cause I was like, I don't feel like this is a thing they've ever danced around before. And they, I feel like they only ever call each other friends, but it's very obvious that they're, Maybe it's because they've been apart for so long that there's shit to figure out, you know? That's what I was thinking was I feel – I almost kind of wonder if they they decided not to do that because they're like – they're not really in a relationship anymore. Like they kind of reconnect and everything on on a level where their toys working for a similar goal and things like that. But they're not necessarily like – back together so i i could kind of understand if that's the reason why they didn't want to put that in there it also i could see how that that could detract a little bit from like bo peeps like autonomy and like her like badass like action hero-ness i mean not to say that it would like take away from that but like you know what i mean like it would overshadow it something pixar has a track record and it's fine to acknowledge that yeah like it's it they could have easily fucked it up yep yeah um it is interesting, though, because this was conceived originally as a love story and then as a romantic comedy and then as this, like, Woody goes on this journey to find her. So it started from a place where they still were, like, romance was part of the motivation. So it's interesting that that was – I think you're right, Tommy, probably for good reasons. Although I'm with you, Derek. They should have kissed. Yeah. Um, I'm not mad about it not being, like, a romantic thing throughout the entire movie yeah. because it is, like, kind of like two exes that reconnected, essentially. But mm-hmm. by the end, they're together. He chose yeah. her over his ch- child. So like they should have guessed yeah <laughs> yeah that could have been their their one big romantic moment you know yeah absolutely it would great. <laughs> but actually you know what though thinking about it did he choose her as much as he chose like just being yeah like free in her lifestyle at this point like that's fair I, like I, I i i agree with you i'm just kind of like thinking through it a little bit like as i'm like thinking back through the ending like it oh I think she was kind of the representation of like that, that kind of thing. And like, oh yeah, they have this connection. So like, obviously that's there too, but Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if it's more just kind of like, like Woody kind of finally realizing like, I can do this and this is, this is something that like is okay. And choosing that kind of lifestyle over, you know, them, them reconnecting as, lovers feels weird i almost said lovers but like like a couple (laughs) honestly 
it's all kind of wrapped it's all kind of wrapped yeah. up in together i guess but but i think you're right though like if if their relationship didn't work out it's not like he's going to be running back to get another kid he's just going to be like all right well i'm still out here and free like the this life that i've chose is still going to be the thing that i've chose with or without Bo in it probably so that honestly might be why i still think the kiss wouldn't take away from this but i no. do think that might be why tommy they downplayed it so much cuz i think it's less that them focusing a lot on the romance would take away from Bo Peep as much as them focusing on the romance would have taken away from Woody's journey, right? Because then you could question, wait, did he just leave his kid and his toys simply to be with Bo Peep? Or did he actually accept, you know, this new, like, like actually accept breaking the cycle, right? And I think for you to really feel confident that he's breaking the cycle, it probably is helpful. Not maybe not necessary, but helpful for them not to focus too much on the fact. Because I do think it's both. I do think specifically the fact that he they, with his hands over the ledge and his hands over the box, like they're very, very intentionally recreating the scene where he walks away from Bo Peep, essentially breaks up with Bo Peep, like for Andy, because she says, come with me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they very intentionally recreate that scene and he chooses her this time. But, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's wrapped up in so much more that, you know, theoretically you could... You could imagine a future where, like, they're still hanging out, but they are not an, an item. They just live the same life now. <laughs> well, and also, too, I'm glad you, like, mentioned the callback to the box because when you think about, like, Bo Peep's journey, like, how much different w- could it have been if Woody ended up going with her? You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. Would she have, like, become this, like, fucking like amazing warrior like lost toy that she is or would some like things have like changed in, in like significant would they ways? have like run away yeah <laughs> they probably they probably wouldn't have they probably would have ended up getting split up because like and because we know that woody is like true a pretty precious collectible and she's like an antique but doesn't she's she not be a, worth a whole lot she's it's not com- compared to him that's what so like that's what they imply for sure <laughs> yeah so like he would have probably gotten picked up and she would have gotten left behind you know I, I, it was for the best that they were separated for these for these for this chunk of time because they needed to kind of grow before they could you know be together again i think it, it's what it seems like yeah i think that makes sense if, if woody ended up in the antique store he would have been snatched up so fast yeah yep well, who do this? There are so many characters in here. Do we want to start with new characters? I mean, aside from Woody and Bo Peep, do we want to go with new characters first, or talk about some old friends? I don't know which one is better to to tackle first. I was just gonna say, I feel like the old friends. There's not a not ton to say right. about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can kind of knock right. that out. Here's my biggest criticism for this movie, and I I have very positive feelings about it overall, but I do think huge just huge fucking whiff on this movie is that there is so clearly such an easy story. They could have had with Jesse to being the role of the sheriff among the toys or being like a leader, fulfilling Woody's role that they, she literally gets his sheriff star badge pinned on her at the end of the movie. And Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the movie, Bonnie wants her to be sheriff. And yet there is no, she gets nothing to do. They don't let her hire your movie. She, she earns the star because Bonnie gives it to her ultimately. Like that's the point. Right. But they, the story doesn't let her earn that, that like that 
transition of power, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And the op- you're right. The opportunity was entirely there. Buzz has already been sidelined. Buzz is an idiot. It's fine. Leave him alone. Let Jesse do essentially everything Buzz was doing or have them do it together because he's yeah. an idiot and she's capable. Whatever. Like, yeah. It's, I don't even know if I necessarily identified that, but now that you say it, like, it's kind of infuriating. It yeah. sucks. I'm really, I'm like, and it really does feel like, well, we got Bo Peep and she's a woman and we got kind of our main villain kind of villain and she's a woman. So we've got enough, right? We don't really need Jesse to do anything. Like, it feels like they fulfilled their quota and Jesse was just like kind of over the line. So it just, it's really frustrating. I feel like it was, it, it's it's annoying too, because I feel like they did it because Buzz is an idiot, but he's like a funny idiot, some, you know, um, uh, and so like they were Buzz just, in this movie very I, much. Really I know, annoying. I know, <laughs> I think it's, it's arguable whether he's a funny idiot, but I get, I think generally speaking, like their whole thing is like Buzz is for jokes, right? Buzz is where we can put funny stuff in when we're not doing funny stuff. That's been his role for at least two movies now. Yeah. And they, they had, there was, pair. Pl- I, exa- is, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's frustrating because that doesn't preclude her from being part of that story or it It, shouldn't it would have been like so easy to set that up too of like because they have the whole stupid inner voice sorry i did not like the inner voice uh no it's it's dumb it's stupid it frustrated the (laughs) hell out of me and i'm i'm a Buzz Lightyear stan. Um, like, I have, like... like my There's buzz, good Buzz content. There's I, good I, Buzz I, content. Like, and I... I just... I'm with you, Derek. I did not like him in this movie. And it was... It was mostly because of, like... Th- I get that, like, you can make the character, like, you know, not as smart. But, like, it went so far in this movie. Where it was it's just, like... Back. He's not the He knows same he's a toy. He, he understands he's a toy. Yeah. Th- this shouldn't have been... A thing for it. He knows what Woody's voice box is. He knows that all of his shit is electronic. Like this, this was like a stretch. It you know, really the inner was. voice thing. And like, even like, there was a moment where like, like, like the when when they they started that through line of like the inner voice and Woody's like, oh, like your consciousness kind of thing. And it's like he doesn't know what that is. And it's like, what are we, what what is happening right now? Like, when did he right. suddenly forget? Ev- I guess he forgot everything before but anyway like you know what i mean yeah. like he's been with them for t- like what 10 years now nine or 10 years at this point like yeah. he's 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 she's he's it's weird how much he regressed in this movie like did his batteries run out or something like so, i don't understand yeah i was like is he like is <laughs> i literally was just thinking like oh they're gonna like open his battery case and they're like corroded or something like he, that like he already survived being reset he gained his consciousness back after being reset so like not to be like a nitpicky nerd about it but like they've established the precedent already he shouldn't there's no there's no circumstance where he should regress back to not understanding what it means to be a toy they they should have had the the really easy way to like have um jesse and woody kind of like or not jesse and woody jesse and buzz kind of together in like their their journey is have buzz like explain to her like oh woody said like i need to follow my inner voice and like both of them just kind of like figure that out together and like i don't know her just be like punch him and like his voice box say something like you know what i mean and they'd be yeah. like oh they that really makes wanted sense. to stick to it yeah yeah like and that would have made so much more sense too like they didn't have to go through this whole like thing of having him just not know like what his consciousness is they could have just had that be like we don't really know what we're doing and she like you know like pushes him or something and it like his voice box says something and then they just do that for the rest of the movie like you know what i mean instead he literally can't think 
for himself anymore yes, for some like, reason. What are like, you doing? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, I, I get that it's for the sake of a joke, but that's the problem is that they're selling out his entire character right. for the sake of one joke throughout a movie. That, and like, he doesn't that necessary throughout most of it. Like, and I'm sorry, like, <laughs> they don't set the joke up very well. Like they just, no. it's just not set up well at all to me. Like it wasn't, it wasn't funny. Like it really wasn't funny. It was more annoying than anything. Like yeah. also, the rule is three, not thirty-three. <laughs> like it happens yeah. so much. It's, yeah, it's, it's truly so bizarre. Everything he does. <laughs> it's it's weird because like we clocked it back in like the second movie. I remember doing this podcast yep. where it's sort of like they're really struggling to figure out exactly what to do with Buzz because Woody is always kind of the heart of these movies. And the second one, Jesse was very much a heart of the movie. And the third one, there was a lot going on. And it's like in a, both of those cases, like. It can be a little annoying, but it's kind of forgivable because it's sort of like, you know, Buzz, he was a prominent character in the first one. It made sense. And they just he just, his his place in the movie is among the ensemble. So, you know, you got to got to be have him on the back burner a little bit more. Um, and in this one, it really is just sort of like, well, he's Buzz. So he's got to be a main character. Right. What do we do with him? Oh, no. So like it's almost like they're forced to have him be so prominent in the movie, but then give him nothing to do because they don't know what to do with him. Um, but then they don't even let like they don't even let Jesse have that. No. Like they don't even they don't even force Jesse into it. Like Which they didn't do in the third one either. That was a complaint of ours in the third one, too. It's yeah. like, why aren't you giving her stuff to do? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and, like, I think also, too, there was, like, a good opportunity. Like, all of the toys are just kind of, like, there in the RV, like, most of the time when when they're on the road trip. And, like, you know, have her be the leader there or something like that. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just didn't. There was one moment where she kind of, like, took the lead. But then she just, like, took the lead and just did something as opposed to, like, being that kind of Sheriff uh, sheriff yeah. Woody role. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I don't know. And also, too, sorry, not to stick on Buzz, but I, I got to with with the whole Buzz thing, like, I don't understand how they can't figure out his character when they have like an action oriented character that they introduce in this movie. And it's like, just let Buzz be like the action guy, like who can do the stunts and stuff like that, because that's what he's set up to do in the first movie. Right. Like there's the whole like, you know, it's not flying. It's falling with style. Like, y- yeah, you can. You can do that with Buzz. Like, you have this, like, you know, the the uh, Canadian Duke... Uh, Duke Kaboom. Duke Kaboom. Duke Kaboom. I think the oh, problem uh, is Duke Kaboom I... relies on the same sort of Toy Story 1 version of Buzz yeah. gag. He he relies on the same thing. And I think from their perspective, although this doesn't make sense because they, re- they, re- they revert him anyway, from their perspective, they're probably like, we can't have Buzz be an idiot for, like i don't know that they know they're making him as much of an idiot as they are i don't yeah. know i it's i'm kind of going in circles i think but yeah. don't make I, him, don't make him an idiot just make him a, a, a like action like or not an action movie hero but like a stunt man like you know what i mean or a stunt person like that's yeah. that can be his role of like oh we need to fly across you know the six feet you know countertop and it's like buzz Lightyear to the rescue like you see, know what i mean I would be so here for Buzz and Jesse. I I love Jesse no matter what, but I would be here for the Buzz and Jesse of it all if their dynamic were Buzz now understands he's a toy, but he still he hasn't lost the like grandiose space yes. adventure aspect and she like reins him in to a degree, right? Like they could be a perfect pair where he is like this sort of like big uh like big ideas sort of yes. like you're talking about those sequences in the, in that movie where he's like flipping and flying and falling with all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, okay, you're, you're kind of being ridiculous. Like, and they could play off of each other in the same way. Cause she gets rooting and tooting in too. Right. So like you could really play with their dynamic 
especially given one of them, like they're a romantic couple and one is a futuristic spaceman and one is an old cowgirl. Like the, yeah. the possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah. Cause they don't even really give any room for their like budding relationship that that's been there for like the past two movies either. Like they're, because they have no, they barely any screen time together in this movie. So yeah. barely and I don't even think we, well, I don't think <laughs> yeah. we even, I think part of the problem is I don't think we needed a ton of screen time from any of the old friends, right? Like we want yeah. to see them. So I get wanting to include them Yeah, and they certainly can help the story. But I think to your point, uh, Derek, the problem is like you chose to use them in a way that, that, that ostensibly helped the plot, but you didn't use them to their greatest capability. If you're going to choose to use them really like do it in the best way possible. And you didn't, you did yeah. it in kind of like the like hokiest way possible. Yeah. Also, I got to put my foot down on one thing. Cause y'all were like, Oh, replace, you know, stunt guy with buzz and that role. I wouldn't sacrifice Duke Kaboom for buzz Lightyear Cause I really I like Duke Kaboom. <laughs> I don't, oh, I like him. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily either, but I think that if you, if you want, I think there's a place where, if you were slimming down the cast for any particular reason and sure. you wanted to incorporate Buzz into this plot in a way that made more sense or felt more rewarding, then I think you could put Buzz and Jesse into some of those situations where they relied on Duke Kaboom. Yeah, sure. Um, yep. I think you could do that. It'd be weird because you'd have to change where they intersect and all that sort of stuff. But I think some of that stuff, they use Duke Kaboom in, in two really specific ways that I think you could also use Jesse and Buzz. Yeah. And also too, like, I think you could have all of them, right? Like, I think there's also like a, a potential like plot line where, you know, it's, Duke and Buzz would be such good friends, right? Like Duke yeah. is like afraid to do tricks and Buzz is like, Oh no, let me show you how to do them. Like, and not be afraid. Like, per like perfect. Like that would have been a perfect setup, but they just, for whatever reason was like, no, Buzz has to follow his inner yeah. voice. You can even, it could even like, there's, there's a lot of like subtle callbacks to the first movie in this one. That would be another one where Buzz is just like, oh yeah, I went through similar, something similar to what you went through. And I thought I didn't have it in myself, you know, to do it. And I did it. And I, and I, I fell with style one time and it was great. And you can, you can crash with style. Yeah. Like it would be a great, like closed loop. They wouldn't that. even have to, it wouldn't even have to be focused on, or like, it wouldn't even ha need a spotlight like that. It literally could just be like, he's the one telling Duke Kaboom he can do things. And we all know like, oh yeah, of course he would yeah. be the one, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I, I'm with, I am with you, Derek, like Duke Kaboom was a weird character to, to, like for me. I forgot he was in this. He's introduced so late. I yes. like him, but I, he was introduced so late that I forgot he was a part of the movie. Yeah. Um, but That's I did, fair. I did like him like in the end, like I, I like once everything sure. was like said done, I was like, I was like, okay, this is a fun, this is a fun character. Well, sure. There are very few toys that they introduce that I don't like. They do a good yeah. job, like creating really fun personalities for toys. Like even little ones, you barely get to know even the creepy dummies, I think are really really fun yeah you know, I love like them. Yeah, they yeah. they find good personality so i it's not a it's not an inherent issue i have with duke kaboom at all he's super fun also the fact that he's keanu reeves right see like, i was gonna amazing. say this might be an insane thing to say i think that this is one of keanu keanu's like best performances of any movie <laughs> of all time i think he's really good in this like it's like the perfect fusion of like there's enough of like movie star Keanu like you can tell that it's him and no one else could do what he's doing but he is also like also doesn't sound like him at the same time like he is very clearly playing a character in a way that like he doesn't always do in his other movies I just really like everything 
about that and Duke Kaboom a lot. I'm a Duke Kaboom stand, apparently. I <laughs> no, realized. I feel you. I, no, I think there's validity to what you're saying because it's almost like they unleash Keanu Reeves. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Keanu Reeves, I think, is like as often played cool and yeah. Duke Kaboom isn't cool like in that way. You know what right. I mean? He's like... Uh, he's 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 much wackier than like Neo. You know what I mean? So sure. I was just gonna say. I will say with Duke Kaboom, I, like I think Keanu just like had so much fucking fun with it because mm-hmm. I was reading that um, it was in probably like, I think it was in like the trivia on like IMDb or something that he uh whatever movie he was filming at the same time like he was like hiding like little like figures or like duke kaboom things like Amazing. around like the filming and just being like <laughs> we have to go on like a hunt for duke kaboom or something like that like oh just, i don't know how real I that mean, is but like it was just i like, buy it yeah because i feel like i don't know a lot about keanu reeves but i feel like keanu reeves isn't doing the voice of duke kaboom unless he like felt it spiritually you know what i mean like <laughs> right so i totally buy it and i think it's 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 got to be fun for him to like do some of the silly goofy shit that he was doing in bill and ted's you know what i mean like he just gets to be like a wacky dude oh you know what i think it was bill and ted that they were filming at the time um i'm trying to to find it again but like uh there was definitely like a mention when i was like just quickly going through like just trivia like he just like really like like he just really liked the the whole the That's whole perfect. shtick behind it yeah and the fact that he's like a canadian knockoff of evil Knievel, like <laughs> oh love it sorry this was something that i found it i had read that he uh he got into he got so into the idea like when they talked to him about the character that he like started doing poses on the table like to, to illustrate like how his character might pose and stuff like that so like yeah like dude just fucking loved like he just had fun with it it sounds Good. like which i'm glad you could you could definitely tell like you could tell that he was just having fun while he was doing it uh, so i good. love that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i as far as other old characters i don't think there's really much no right no i mean it's and it's it's in, I, mean, I love seeing all of them and everything even if they didn't get much to do but it's also sort of like the longer time goes, like the more original actors are dying anyway. So it's yeah. like, like I know that like Don Rickles, like he's not in the movie. It is just like archival voice clips that they use for him instead of recasting him, um, which I guess works. Cause he says like four things. So, yep. and it's all like, watch out or, Oh no. Like, yeah, you know, so it's like they're. I, I don't know that they should make a toy story five given no, that. Don't know. Um, they just shouldn't. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah go, but like go, so go in different direct i mean I, I i'm not saying never go to the well again but like spin i'm okay stuff. with Lightyear being what it is you know yeah. yeah yeah sure sure so yeah they they don't get it's nice to see them but yeah they don't really get anything to do and i don't know i don't i'm not mad about that as, as frustrated as i am with like jesse and buzz since they like could have had a role like the rest of them i'm fine with the ensemble just yeah. being kind of in the background for, for this one yeah it's not about them Right, exactly. <laughs> they, had their, they, they had Toy Story three. They had they had their ending in that movie. It's yeah, fine. exactly, exactly. They've been at peace for a long time. Yeah, Woody, Woody's the one who's in turmoil. Right, right. New characters. I mean, I guess most of the new characters are either antagonistic or what? Key and Peele. Like, yeah. yeah, and then Forky will be its own co- his own conversation. Well, yeah, Forky yeah. will be its own conversation for sure. <laughs> Well, it was also weird too because, like, I do think there's there were the characters that were introduced in three, 
that didn't get a whole lot of screen time there that then reappeared in four mm-hmm. as well. Like they're kind of like this weird middle ground characters, but like yeah. they also just didn't get a ton of screen time. I, I would say until like the end of the movie where like the, is it the Triceratops? Oh yeah. Remember. Kristen, Trixie, Kristen Shawl. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. then um, the unicorn and, and stuff like that. Like they had like a lot of like throwaway jokes and stuff. Uh, not throwaway. That's not what I mean, but they had like a lot of just like one liners and stuff throughout the movie, but mm-hmm. um, they didn't really do, do a ton either. Yeah. I do like that in the little time they do have, it is established that like Andy's toys do not replace Bonnie's toys. I, yeah. I like that that Dolly is still seen as like the one who leads Bonnie's room. Like I think that's a nice. It doesn't really matter ultimately, but it's nice that they weren't just like, all right, here are our main characters. They are also the primary characters here. Nobody else right. matters. Yeah, like, because a child would so much prefer these toys over like these other. Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't. It just yeah. wouldn't make sense either. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. should we get a bunch yeah. of new toys and be like, oh, but I also love playing with my dolly. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I do. This is it's it's all stupid, but I love I love the combat Carl stuff. Oh <laughs> I yeah, love those, so th- fun. those three stupid little combat Carls. I love that if you watch it to the very end, uh, he finally gets his high five, like all the way through the credits and everything. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I did see <laughs> yep. that. That was great. I, you have to go through the entire credits to see it. <laughs> it's I, like it's I on the like final Pixar frame. Like uh, they do like the final Pixar uh, thing again, and it's uh, it's him getting a high five. I, I like hovered over the credits because I was like, I know there's going to be scenes in here to like find like where they were. And then I saw that there was that one like at the very end. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> it's, it's very, very funny. What do we what do we think of Gabby Gabby? Oh, I like Gabby Gabby a lot, actually. I think but I think part of it is for me. um, Like the one two punch of Stinky Pete and Lotso Bear kind of both being the same character. I thought of you for this very reason. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it is just like just such a vastly different villain who isn't even really much of a villain. Um, Well, she's presented in the opposite way, right? Like Stinky Pete and Lotso are presented as like these sort of older male uh, like guardians who are like just sweet old men. You know what I mean? And then they turn out to be villains. It's like very, very the exact same thing. Like you've pointed out. And her thing is like they present her immediately pretty much as a villain. Mm-hmm. And then you realize like, well, actually she's just kind of this like tortured soul. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And you can do that really wrong, but I think they do it really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the, my big like cry moment in this movie, really my only main one is when she finally like gets a, a, a person, like when it's the lost girl finds Oh her yeah. And, oh yeah. Tommy, like, did you destroys me? <laughs> Tommy, did you see that happening? Like she's going with them. Like did, there's so many like unexpected uh, endings I feel like to this movie I I don't know what was your reaction to that I <laughs> she's slated to go home with Bonnie <laughs> oh I thought that was perfect I thought that that was like the way that should have happened like the the it, I didn't see it coming but like it was once it happened I was like oh yeah this is a hundred percent like what needs to happen here um, especially because like you think about the fact that it's a toy that's been sitting in an antique shop for like its entire life, presumably, you know yeah, what I mean? Cause she said she was defective out of the box. Yeah. Defective yeah. out of the box. And so like, n- like she never had a, a, a child that the fact that it was, it was a powerful thing, I think, because it was also that she got to pick her child, not like a child picked her and yeah. not that like she was just going to Bonnie because like 
Bonnie's there. It was like she saw someone in need and was like, oh, I can help this person. I can save this person. This is my child. Like, you know what I mean? I thought that was very powerful in a way that like you haven't really seen, I feel like, in in these movies because like all the other toys, you know, like they want to be with Andy and then they get kind of traded away or not traded away. But like, you know what I mean? They get they get Mm -hmm. sent over to Bonnie. Um, It's a really, really powerful thing, I think, for her. Yeah, and it's so much better than her going to Bonnie because I remember being like, oh, so she's just going to Bonnie now? Like, I mean, I guess that's nice. She's getting a home, but like, why? Like, like, again, there's nothing earned there, but this feels very much like, yeah, they, they, they belong together as opposed to just falling into Bonnie's lap. And it also sets up, um, I think Ducky and Bunny's like next thing where they're going to start helping out other toys, like, which is great. Um, but like. It, it it was very much um it like it was very much like it felt like everything kind of clicked into place in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I'm with you. De- I'm with you, Derek. Like that was the only moment where I was like I was like, oh, this is uh this yeah. is hitting me a little bit. Like, demolish <laughs> like, me the yeah. first time and the second time. See. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I cried a few times. That was one of them, but <laughs> yeah. more than once for me. <laughs> <laughs> the end got me a little bit too, but the yeah. nothing topped the uh the 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 Gabby stuff. Yep. It's so unexpected. I don't think it's a thing yeah. you can predict, which I think makes a big difference. Well, yeah. and also too when you think about it, it's like it was because of her voice box too. I mean, I mean, I guess like on on the one hand, maybe the, like even if she didn't get like the voice box fixed, maybe the girl like the little girl would have like pulled the string and would have still like kept her, but like, or she also, would have been terrified. That would have been horrifying. And it would have been like, ah, a <laughs> distorted <laughs> voice. And she would have Let's cried even harder. Friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but like, she got to use that voice box, like for the whole, like that was the whole thing. And it was, mm-hmm. I will say the other part it's was when she basically gets rejected in the antique Ugh. store as well. Like that, that got to me too, where it was like, Oh no, like she's been waiting this whole time and like had her sights on uh uh that like particular girl as well and just to get rejected like that like it it yeah. was it was perfect in how full circle it was when she yeah. finds her person finally. You know, Tom, I think I think that um Gabby Gabby's story is a good example of something that they do really really well, but also that I understand on first watch can give you that sort of like uh, whiplash feeling that you were talking about, Tommy, that sort of like, wait, what's where, what, what's the, mm-hmm. what, what's now, you know what I mean? Cause like there are so many stories that they set up in the beginning and then so, so many stories they have to like end and tie up yep. that I do kind of, and it's all, I think it's all good when you like sit down and think about it, but I do understand like, there's a lot of like, Oh, now her story's over. Wait, JK, no, it's not. Oh, now her story's over. Wait, JK, no, it's not. And it's all, it all pays off for the most part. Um, but I do think I, I get where you're coming from the more I think about it as like a first watch, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, there's a lot of fake outs. <laughs> there are. And, and I'll be honest. Like, I think the biggest one for me was the Forky storyline because like, let's get into it. <laughs> it, <laughs> it really like, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And this is, I think I alluded to this when we first started talking where I was like, I had this whole idea of, like, what Forky was supposed to be. I thought it was going to be this whole thing of, like, what makes a toy a toy. Um, And I want to say I feel like that was the whole thing because of, like, marketing or something like that, maybe, like, super early on with the movie. I feel like I remember seeing Forky, like, early on when I heard about 
Toy Story 4. Forky is a ma- was a massive part of their marketing for sure. Yeah. There was a whole there was a whole teaser that was like all the toys like jumping in slow motion and having a great time and it just like circles around all of them like having a great time and then it gets to Forky and everyone's like what? And like record scratch, what is this? You know like they did very much sell Forky. I mean Forky has its own uh like like uh disney plus series like micro micro episodes like they really they were selling forky hard but forky's not that forky moves things along and is like the whole reason that woody runs into bo peep so i get why they created this character but this movie's not about forky (laughs) right well it's like he's he's sort of like a thematic through line i think because it's all about the whole a lot of the movie is sort of about like what's your purpose i guess right like it isn't so much about like what does it mean to be a toy like literally, but sort of like the more broad question of sort of like, what are toys meant for? Ultimately? Yeah. What is the purpose of a toy? Which is yeah. a thing Toy Story, the franchise has explored mm-hmm. in a bunch of different ways, but not in this way. Right. It's always been mm-hmm. seen as like the purpose of a toy is this or that. And this kind of like blows that open. Yeah. It's always like a purpose of a toy is to be owned by a child and give comfort to that one specific child. And, and it's certainly movie... not to be a collectible. Like they, they right. establish it very rigidly. In this movie, it's sort of like, here's all the different ways that you can bring a child joy and also bring yourself joy and like find meaning. Like, you know, between every every between Woody and and like Forky and then Gabby, like the ways that they all kind of find a new place for themselves by the end of the movie, like all of all every in every instance, it's sort of like different than what we've what we've seen from toys in the first three movies. Well, and even Bo, right? Like Bo yeah. doesn't abandon. She chooses kids, but she chooses kids as opposed to like uh, like she chooses to be there for kids to play with but not for a kid like yeah. she she's among a, a like a commune of toys that serves children but like doesn't commit themselves to one particular children like they live freely yeah and yeah. also too kind of side note she's picked a very hard life like when you think about like toys that are just like on a playground like oh that are gosh, just communal right? <laughs> yeah like we talked about when we talked about the third movie we talked about uh the kind of like preschoolers like you know that scene and that was very yeah the daycare stuff was like very visceral but like when you think about like toys that are just like out in like a public playground like they are not taken care of like at all yeah but i guess part of it though is that like at the daycare they are still stuck in an enclosed space and probably taken account of for to a certain extent and in this kind of place like if they feel like it's too much for them, they can fucking leave. If they oh, for sure. Leave. And go yep. wherever the hell they want. Like, I do think that that's probably a difference and they probably do take care of each other. Like, it's probably less of a society within the carnival or whatever because everybody can kind of come and go as they please more than they ever have before, you know? Mm-hmm. And Bo Peep was, like, on her own, right? Like, she joined the carnival afterwards. She wasn't traveling with them, right? Am I right? Or am I misremembering? Yeah, no, she, she, so her story is that she was sold and then transferred, this isn't from the movie, so I, you know, but she, she transferred ownership a bunch of times and then ended up in the antique shop and just like was out, she was sold to the antique shop outside of the carnival, got tired of it, and then heard like a kid talking about going to the playground, realized there was a playground and chose to be a lost toy. Gotcha. gotcha, So she didn't, yeah, that's, that's kind of how she ended up there. Yeah, the the whole getting back to Forky, like it was 
it was really hard early on, I will say, like for me with that character, because I was like, I got what they were doing, but it was just like, I don't know, there was something about the way they kept wanting to go into the trash that like just didn't sit well with me. Um <laughs> And I don't know, I, it was, I, maybe, and maybe that's part of it is like, you know, it's like kind of like letting people do what they feel like their purpose is in life. Like that's a thing, but like when he was just going trash, trash, and like just kept only saying trash, like for so long. And then like, would he like physically restraining? I don't know. There was just something about all of that that just did not sit well with me. No, I get it because I think there's something inherently set unsettling about Forky and maybe it's intentional. I don't know. But I think part of it is like the fact that his purpose as he sees it has been fulfilled and therefore he is trash. I get that. I, I can follow that. Right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he insists he is trash typically in our lives, when somebody considers themselves not valuable or trash it it's not seen as a good positive thing. It doesn't, it's not seen as like, I've fulfilled my purpose. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's something sort of like kind of in conflict there where you're like, well, you're not trash, but also you are, and that's okay. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to grapple with. And I, I think I, part of me likes the challenge of it, like yeah. trying to wrap my head around it. And part of me likes to think that they intentionally made that be sort of this weird, uncomfortable thing because it is, Woody's insistence on him not being trash is a, an important part of the movie, but at the same time, like he is trash. Like he he he's allowed to say he's not a toy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, it's weird. That's interesting because I didn't struggle with it like that. Like you you guys seem to have, because I, I I was very much like it felt like a self-worth kind of thing for me. Like he's just sort of like, no, I'm trash. Like I don't, all I, all I need to do is just be thrown away. And well, self-worth in the, the fact that he's confident of who he is and that is trash or no, self-worth, self-worth in that, in that like, he doesn't he, see his can, worth and is calling himself he does, trash. Yeah. That he doesn't see his worth as, as being more than garbage. Like he thinks that he, that he only exists to be thrown away. And like, that's it. When the reality is that like, he actually has like a, a place in the world to, to make things better for another person. Like he's actually important to someone. Um, like he, he does have worth to another being, which is Bonnie. Cause he is like very important to her. And I think that's important. I think that has to be, that has to be a big part of it, but I think it's weird because there are so many characters that we aren't necessarily meant to disagree with being like, Woody, chill, leave it alone. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think by the end, like, yeah, it, it, we're supposed to be like, yeah, Woody was right. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's something about it. That's like, there, there is a part of me that's like, Woody, leave him alone. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know why. Like, I just am like, he seems happy to be trash, man. Like, just let him be trash. <laughs> I think that was, I think that was mostly my struggle with it, especially when it was like, you know, Woody's like staying up all night to like throw him out of the trash bin bin and back onto the bed. And like, I I think there was just so much of it where it was like, are you taking away from like what this character wants for themselves? And I think that that is like, obviously like the growth that, that, you know, that Woody has a little bit of that. Um, But like, also too, I think the way that the movie ends, it's like, oh, well, Forky wants to be a toy now, which is great and fine, but it was just, I don't know, there was just, like, that juxtaposition there that, like, it's still, like, I don't know, I still just struggled with, like, the early kind of introduction, um, the early introduction of it, and I think also, too, part of it is what I was talking about where I was, like, I felt like the movie was gonna be about Forky, 
Um, and it really wasn't. Um, I was going into it thinking that was going to be the whole thing. Um, and then once 4K became like kind of like a side character halfway through, I was just kind of I I don't want to say I forgot about them, but it was like it it really just kind of like broke what I was expecting of that character. What I thought was going to happen was like it was this new wacky toy that like comes in and like disrupts everything. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Which <laughs> kind of is what happens, but in like a very different way than what I was expecting. Yeah, sure. I thought people I thought toys wouldn't accept him as a toy. And I thought that was going to yes. be a point of conflict. I think, Derek, like I'm curious to know if this is a thing you thought about at all. Like wow. while you were watching the the Woody and, and um, Forky of it all. I felt like there were points in the movie where it felt like I was supposed to feel like Woody was projecting his anxieties about purpose onto Forky. And I think that's part of why I was like, you are telling Forky what their purpose is as opposed to this being part of Forky's purpose. And it, it pays off in the sense that like Forky seems at peace with it by the end. And so like result, like the results is, is fine. But in the moment it's like, Woody is currently going through this crisis of purpose and it feels like he's putting that onto another thing, you know? Um, was that a, like, did you feel like that was a thing that the movie was doing or no? Um, I guess, well, I, I mean, yeah, it's Woody was doing that, but, but I think it was less that it was like, he was just projecting and more that like, that is just what his worldview really is. And it's sort of like, I, this is the most important thing in the world is to be a child's toy. But I also like, don't think that that makes Forky like recognizing that not genuine either, because I do think that like, it doesn't take very long. Like once it's sort of put in terms that Forky can understand that, like you are important to someone like mm-hmm. your, your existence is important to another being and makes them happy. He's like, Oh hell, that sounds awesome. Okay, great. And he has no issues with it after that. <laughs> I love that. That's the takeaway. I mean, maybe the, maybe the problem is like Forky's too excited to be trash. <laughs> like maybe I think that's fair. Forky's never really, I don't think Forky's presented as having an identity crisis i think forky is presented as being very confident in who he is <laughs> yeah i guess that's fair it's it's more like because i think that maybe is another like selling out for the sake of a joke thing because it is very funny to have a character just be like trash and, and i laugh yeah. into the trash yeah. can all the time i but, think that's like, where it, i struggled is like yeah. i found it endearing <laughs> but sure. also it's like <laughs> yeah yeah and i, I think I think that all makes sense to me, like, especially now, like, reflecting on the whole movie. I think, I think the other part of it, too, is, like, coming into it and, see, like, seeing those moments, like, without knowing, like, where, where it was going to go. Because that's, that's the other thing that I think, for me, with this movie was, like, and, and it's funny, because it almost is kind of, like, tied to Forky a little bit, where it's, like, I kind of came into this not knowing what the purpose of this movie is and like again i movies don't have to have purposes but it w- feeling like oh they wrapped up the story like in three coming into it and then not really knowing anything about where it was going to go like you could kind of get a sense even if you hadn't watched toy story three right like or toy story two like where those movies are going to go at a certain point it's like oh they're either going to have to like get back to the Andy or you know they're they're changing hands like you kind of expect that to happen in three um but like with this one it's like truly like it's it's so wide open that you like don't know where where things are gonna end up um from the jump and so that's why I think like again like kind of talking about like my own uneven footing with it was like when you have this character who's just like trash like let's get in the trash and it's like okay is is Woody like gonna 
be like, okay, yeah, we're both trash, buddy. Let's go get in the trash. Like, what's going to happen? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go back where, to that landfill, baby. Yeah, what they're setting up with this. Um, but once you have, once I, like, now, now that, like, you get to the end of the movie, or I've gotten to the end of the movie, and I've seen, like, the growth of the characters and stuff like that, everything makes sense. I think just initially, like, it was just very much like a, sure. ooh, like, what's happening? Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, I like I like the way you're seeing it, Derek, for sure. Like mm-hmm. I like that it is just a story of a character finding their worth yeah. in relation to like other people care about you. You mean something to other people. Like that's a beautiful takeaway. So I, I, I like that that is the way you were seeing it and how you're presenting it. It helps me understand it a little bit better and feel a little bit better about it with hindsight. But it, it mm-hmm. I'm I'm with you, Tommy. Like the first time I was presented with it, I was like, I'm not sure what to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> the the other thing I will say, because I, I like that too, and I think that it's like he becomes important to Woody and Woody has that whole mentality like at the at, towards the end of the movie where he's like no toy left behind. And all of the other characters oh. are like all the other characters are like 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 le- leave it alone man like it, you're not gonna like you're not gonna save him like essentially and that was the part that like also too like towards the end of the movie that i struggled with because it was like well no like you're saying that this this is a value like this is a toy that's valuable to someone and it's clearly valuable to woody like it felt that part of it felt so bad to me where it was like everybody's like like you did what you could like you got to cut your losses and it's like no this is a toy <laughs> like this is this is a thing like he has to do this like he has to save this other like you like human being that is a you know not a human being but sure yeah i i that was another part that i struggled with a little bit because i was like well because i i i agree with you uh derek where i I like that of like the forky having that kind of like change of heart but then it just Mm -hmm. feels like it's ripped away in that moment where it's like it's like oh no it's you know it's it's a thing like we gotta let it go (laughs) like um and maybe i'm i'm looking too much into that it's that it's also that scene, though, I think is is I do think contribute to it a little bit because again we have these established characters with these established relationships where Woody says no toy left behind, and then Buzz is standing there like, but you just left me behind, man. Yeah. And so I think theoretically we're supposed to place that relationship uh, like higher, like in the hierarchy than Woody with Forky, and I feel like at that point it presents as Woody's obsession. And and again, it ultimately plays out in a way that like everything is is sort of hunky dory at the end. But in mm-hmm. that moment, it really feels like, oh, did is is Woody supposed to just leave this alone? Like I don't I don't really know yeah. because he just he just kind of like uh, I, I guess what you ultimately take away is like no Buzz was supposed to be seeing it differently. Like Woody's having a hard time convincing everybody else that this is a worthwhile cause, but when he's pursuing it in such a way that he is presented as turning his back on his friend that just came to like help him. I think that's like, Oh man, like what, how I love that moment because it's, it's sort of impossible. It's like impossibly sticky, right? Like Woody has his cause and he knows what his cause is and he can't convince anybody else to see it. He says this thing uh, that he, he, he understands from his perspective, but then buzz sees it in an entirely different way. Like it's a really good scene. Um, But I do think it contributed to my, confusion over like where i'm supposed to land on buzz on on woody's obsession with forky well it does also like play like that ends up being kind of what woody's ultimate like or at least next purpose is is like bringing children and other children and other toys together like in in all the post-credit scene and that's basically what he's doing with forky so i i feel like i take that like whole sequence is just like 
Woody really grappling with the two worlds that he's like kind of caught between like this sort of like the kind of old school, like all the toys stick together because we're all Bonnie's toys and we have to be together. And that includes me. And then sort of like this sort of other world of like, everything's a free for all, like don't be stuck to kids. And the middle ground that he ends up finding is sort of like, I don't have to have my own child, but I can help other toys find their child, which is what he ends up doing with both Forky and Gabby essentially by like bringing them all together by the end of the movie. Well, I do think the difference though is, is the majority of the toys that he's helping seemingly want to have kid, like want to have a kid. And Forky tells us he does not. Un- but by that point he does though, like, or it's, no, no, it's no, pretty I know, early but in the movie that he's decided that he does want to have a kid. He, he decides he wants to have a kid when they have that like road trip moment, right? Like yeah. they're, when they're on the, on the thing. Yeah. So in that moment, like, yeah, I know, I know that, that Woody is right in pursuing Forky to like help him. I'm just saying like, you've got buzz there also. And there's like this weird, that's why I like the scene is cause it's sort of challenging all the mm-hmm. relationships together. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. It falls in that place for sure. Yeah, I think, I think, honestly, I was just, I, I, again, it's like that expectation piece where I was like, I would have expected Buzz to be like, I'm, I'm there with you, buddy, like for like, whatever you need to do kind of thing. But mm-hmm. also like, I accept too, that like, that's probably that that's not where their relationship is at that moment. Um, And so, you know. I, I think that that was, like, part of the struggle, too, was, like, you expect Woody to – because that's his character, right? Is, like, he – throughout, like, the other couple of movies is he rallies the troops in, in sort of a way and he's able to get everybody, like, to go for a cause or, like, he, you know, is able to talk people into seeing things in, like, a, a specific sort of way. But then he's just kind of, like, left alone and rather than turning his back on, you know, his morals in that moment – he kind of like still sticks with it and is left alone to kind of grapple with it. Um, And so I think again, like it's not really where I was expecting that character to go, but that's okay because like characters have to grow. Um, And, and also the same thing with buzz, even though I was not a fan of buzz throughout the entirety of this movie. Um, (laughs) Like I was expecting his character to like kind of fall back into that place of like, where you help me like, I think that's the biggest thing for me is like the whole like no toy left behind thing was like their whole challenge early on. You know what I mean? Like Buzz and Woody. And so that's why I was kind of expecting Buzz to be like, okay, yeah, I'm with you. Like you, we've saved each other like so many times, like we have to do this together kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. There is, there was a moment in that, in that scene where I sort of expect Buzz to just like roll with it. Right. Like you would think of the toys that are present you could see why Bo Peep doesn't get it. You could see why the other toys don't necessarily get it. But there, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Tommy. You would think, and they probably know that we would think that, right? That mm-hmm. like Buzz yeah. is the one who'd be like, yeah, we get it. But also there's a thing that the Toy Story movies do that this movie I think is doing in this scene that might have worked better if they did Buzz better in this movie, to be honest, yeah. which is toys seeing things differently right this is it's it's kind of a big piece of a lot of these movies where different toys are seeing the situation differently and then not understanding right this this is the crux of the first movie is everybody seeing what woody's doing the wrong way at the end right which is Mm -hmm. like i'm actually saving the situation and everybody has a different understanding of what's going on and it's like no fuck you woody you know this is kind of one of those moments but i think it would rely on buzz's character to have had more to do that wasn't just a joke 
Yeah, Buzz, I mean, a, a big root of many of the problems with many of these things is that Buzz is just written very badly in this movie yeah. <laughs> overall. Like, honestly, just leave him at home. <laughs> like, honestly, at this point. Like, re- yeah. like, like, what is he doing other than, you know, just not knowing how to exist? <laughs> Unfortunately, many problems in this movie may have been solved if Buzz just wasn't in it. <laughs> like... Or was yeah. it for like? Or if one Jesse scene. were with him, I really right. think either yeah. one of those solutions would have worked. Yeah. Oh yeah, and in that moment too, I feel like it would have been. Uh, the, I I can see that scene playing out in my head, like with Jesse there as well, and just I feel like they could have made it make more sense to me. Um, again, not a bad scene, or or I I don't. I don't begrudge like either of the characterizations in that moment. I think it makes sense. It was just a challenge for me to kind of get through that. Cause I'm like, Oh, buzz. Come on, man. Like, why aren't you helping him? Like you gotta, you gotta help him. Mm-hmm. He's got to listen to his inner voice though. The funniest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah. He keeps telling him to walk away. And for some reason has new voice message, like sounds like throughout the whole movie. Like What? <laughs> I do like the I do like the bit where he like kind of weaponizes that with the with the with Bonnie though like he's just like going off over and over again it's just then it's just like one pre-recorded voice just happens to be like you left her backpack in the <laughs> antique store <laughs> I like that a lot it was it was funny it also was one of those moments where I was like there are so many moments in this movie where they were just not careful about being toys like no not so at all. Oh, much. yeah they're so bad about it like this this movie really doesn't concern itself I mean it, it does it when it's necessary but it really doesn't not concern itself with toys being discovered or not i mean they're literally yeah. like the the toy story toys aren't small woody and buzz are not small if you had the real versions that's what size they're supposed to be and those toys are huge like the actual size versions are huge and they're like jumping around on like carnival tents oh yeah like what they're running across streets in like the middle of the day it's so funny to me i love yeah. it yeah it's hilarious. All yeah. the RV stuff, which was just terrifying to me the whole time. Like it, it, they're just there, like under the pe- like a giant like oh, God. what Triceratops under the pedal or you no know, unicorn under the pedal. Like he would have seen a unicorn stuffed animal under his feet. I'm sure of it. But also, sure. just like the RV, how did they get back into that RV? I would never. <laughs> I would not for a second get back into that RV. Yeah, the, the people in this movie are like they just don't know what's going on (laughs) like the 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 moment where forky is locking the rv while the dad is trying to like oh my god that was so funny it's like how many times you're gonna try to unlock this door sir go to the other side like what are you doing like yeah like get a hotel for the night y'all like lost cause this isn't happening get a new rv And then the Please. most unrealistic thing was the cops letting them go at the end after they just drove through like <laughs> carnival. <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah, oh I, you, Derek, you said you had one big criticism. My big criticism of this movie is far too pro cop. <laughs> yes. Oh my. Yes. That's uh, fair. Yeah. yeah. I do like giggles as an idea, like having a Polly Pocket toy in this environment. But why'd she have to um, be a cop? I don't. And she's frequently she funny, but why? Yeah. Why'd she have to be a cop? <laughs> Yeah. And yep. then put that on like Woody, like, oh, Woody's a cop. And I'm like, don't put yep. it like that. Woody. He's a Western sheriff. Come it's on, just let us, let us live, <laughs> giggles. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't remind <laughs> us of what, what Woody is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I 
that wasn't even our criticism. Like uh, for me, I just it was definitely something I noticed. I was like, man, they really are just like they don't care. I did love how like they explained away them being able to drive the skunk car everywhere, where it was like. They were just like, how are you, people are going to notice us? And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, skunk, and like just jumping funny. out of the way. That was really good. Like, was, yeah. that was a smart, <laughs> necessary move. <laughs> this, I think it's the second time they do it, maybe the third time they do it. And it's when they're in the little carriage or whatever, and Benson stays behind, and the lady finds just Benson in a carriage oh, yeah. and screams. It's like, that's accurate. That's so yep. funny. So funny. <laughs> oh, the Bensons were terrifying. Oh, my like, God. I love them. I love so them much. so much. They yeah. remind me of all my. Goosebumps books, you know what I mean? Oh, All yes, those Night yes, of a Living yes, Dummy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, I love the way they move. I mean, like at this point, Pixar can animate anything the way they want. And I just one thing I've always loved about the Toy Story movies is the way that Woody moves because he's he's, he's entirely made of cloth. And I love that the the dummies are like clearly part cloth and part wood in the way that a, a ventriloquist dummy would be. And the way they move is just so creepy. It's it so weird and creepy and their heads turn all the way around. I love that they use them as like surveillance cameras essentially with just their heads like slowly mm. turning around over and over. It's so yeah. creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 When they first showed up, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a horror movie <laughs> i love that 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 antique shop is the best it's also it's funny they don't spend i mean they spend a decent amount of time in the antique shop but they don't spend like it's not like the whole movie takes place in there but that set is incredible i, I was i was reading mm-hmm. a little bit about it it's huge it's it's huge it is like the equivalent of like eight thousand square feet and i guess they said they put ten thousand individual items in there for sale like the shop is populated with ten thousand individual items like it's huge and it's because they wanted they wanted to make sure that it felt one sort of like claustrophobic at the human level but two like just massive and like labyrinthine for at the toy level yeah so there's just tons of stuff i mean to the point that like one of their jokes and references is like somebody pulls up the like great bottle cap i think right isn't that where the great bottle cap from up shows up um, mm. so it's just like tons of like tiny little, but also like, you know, bigger things, just tons of shit in that, in that antique shop. Such a cool set. Cat looks amazing too. Oh my oh, God. Yeah, right? I was going to ask Remember about that. Spike from the first movie, <laughs> the ugliest dog ever rendered in animation. <laughs> was that, Whoa. wasn't that also like the first like CGI dog in animation. I mean, or? it probably <laughs> had. I mean, I would not be surprised. Was there a dog in in like uh, Beast Wars or something? Because that's probably the only thing oh, that predated. Yeah. I mean, there were animals, but but Beast Wars came like right after Toy Story, though. So oh yeah, Beast good Wars call. Was ninety six, I think. So yeah. Um, I was gonna say too with the the antique shop. I know that there were like references galore. Probably. I mean, the, there was the so many. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice all of them. They did a lot of like references i feel like in this movie and with like cameos Mm -hmm. and like just other like things like i the when i I, there were a couple pause moments that i had where the the girl at the carnival game looked just like boo from monsters inc she's in what's funny is she appears twice in the movie because she's also in bonnie's kindergarten class (gasps) that's where i noticed her first yeah she looks like an updated uh, version of Boo, for sure. 
Yeah, and I don't know like, that it's like supposed. To, I mean, it's. It, I think it's clearly meant to be a reference, obviously, but of course that that drives all the like Pixar theory people like absolutely sure. bonkers. Of course it does. Yeah. See, it's the same. It's the same universe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that was something that like like got me off guard too, where I was like, oh, there's so many like references in this one too. It's kind of yeah. rad. There's so many random cameos in this one too. Like, like if you just like like look at the Wikipedia list, it was sort of like, oh, that's a person, okay. But like the the foursome of like Carol Burnett, Betty White, Carl Reiner, and Mel Brooks as like so the random characters in the good. closet. Yeah, <laughs> I, love I that. Cheryl Burnett is one of my favorite. One, it's one of the funniest things to name a chair. I, so like I don't, that's so funny but also that character it's just it's literally just a chair with a face and that means it's a sentient toy sure and its yeah. face always looks so funny to me like i could just stare at that stupid chair it cracks me up <laughs> what so were all funny. of them there was cheryl burnett Melephant brooks and then what was bitey uh, white yeah bitey carl- white Carl Reiner, 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 or something. Yeah. So funny. So funny. Oh God. Very funny. Yeah. Yeah. The only other, I guess, new character, we're going so long on this, but there's so freaking much to talk about this freaking movie. Um, Ducky and Bunny, Key and Peel. Yes. Um, any, I thought they were funny and fun. Like, I don't really. Have I didn't think I was gonna like them when I saw all the promotional stuff, and I was wrong. I like them a lot. Yeah, I think yeah. they're funny. They also are. That's they are the reason we still got like imaginative sequences in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't put it at the beginning. They just like snuck them in at you know, I, I guess at the end those. really. Well, like the the whole like. Oh my god. That go, joke goes for so long so and I'm not even mad at it because it was so funny. Yeah. The one where like the old lady goes all the way home. <laughs> so oh stupid. So stupid. Can I just say I love it. I was mad at first and I was just like what is happening right now? <laughs> but like once they actually once it went on for as long as it did I was like okay, you know what? It works. <laughs> it hits, not, it hits not... the exact point. It hits the exact yeah. point where it's like, I'm with you. I'm like, okay, we get it. You're going to do this a bunch of times. But then they take the last one so far that I was like, this is asinine. And, and I love it. This is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous and stupid. And it doesn't even belong in this movie. Like yeah, it's, it has nothing. It has nothing. It's, it's not the type of humor that's ever appeared in this movie, in the right. series. Yep. And yeah, it's, it's so out strange. of place and so stupid that I, I couldn't help but kind of love it for that very reason. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's really fun. <laughs> I think they're used just the right amount, too, because they're very yeah. much pure comic relief characters. There's no depth to them at all. They're just there for the fun. And yeah. I think that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they get their mid credits sort of like the, their story really doesn't begin until the mid credits. It's like, OK, you wanted a, you wanted kids uh, and now you get to help other people find kids. That's oh, great. Yeah. It's funny because honestly, like the the mid credit stuff. Like that scene where they're helping out toys find other kids. I was like, I could see them doing a Toy Story 5 and it working. Stop it. Stop (laughs) it. I really could. Um, But no, I I, I did like those two characters. I I wasn't sure about them at first, um, but then like they they just grew on me as like as the movie um, continued on. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like them and I love their their stupid little kaiju thing at the end so funny so funny you did you all... rise <laughs> wait i know that was so funny duke oh sweet sweet duke <laughs> yeah did you uh did you all find the pizza planet truck no no 
It was uh, on the carnival game operator's uh, calf as a tattoo. <laughs> what? <laughs> I did see that tattoo, but I didn't. I didn't figure uh-huh. out that's what that was. It's a pizza that's Planet ridiculous. Truck. It's, that's it's, amazing. Yep. <laughs> I think there was. I think I saw in like the trivia uh, on IMDb as well. That I think there might have been a Pizza Planet box in uh, the fridge in the dream sequence as well. Mm, I wouldn't um, be surprised. Yeah. A couple things I really liked that were just like little things. Um, I, you know, now that we know more about Disney, and and if you didn't, if you didn't listen to this, Derek and I did a like I don't know twenty minute conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Now that we know about um, Disney's uh, unfortunate influence over Pixar's ability to tell uh, queer stories and just generally diverse stories, um, some of this stuff I'm, I have a little bit more grace for. I still wish there was more of it. Um, but I did find the lesbian parents in this one. Um, also, oh. I know, right? You really got you really got to look for them, but they're there. Um, they're also. I thought this was really cool. There's a kid in the classroom with a cochlear implant, and oh. I don't know. I mean, I, I just genuinely don't know. I'm not saying that it didn't exist, but I don't know how many, how many uh, animated properties have ever shown characters with cochlear implants before. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um. There's the girl that looks like Boo. I mentioned the bottle cap. Um, trying to th- see if there's any other like random stuff that I just wrote in my notes with an exclamation point as I Doug, saw Doug, you have you have another named character named Doug in the Pixar universe. I do. I'm a what a zebra ripped in half. I think. Yeah, you're a zebra ripped in half. <laughs> yeah. I was happy yeah. for you. <laughs> Thank Still you so no much. Derek's. You're you're kind of a dog because it's not spelled the same way, but it's technically Doug, mm-hmm. right? And then you're, you're also a zebra. Yeah, I have two. I have two Pixar characters. That's actually pretty pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. Mm. I was gonna um this isn't a like this isn't like a trivia thing, but the uh I don't know why this is important, but like the the Duke uh I keep wanting what is it? Duke Kaboom. I keep wanting to call him Duke Canada. Um <laughs> I mean it which works. works, but um Duke Kaboom, the commercial was voiced by Flea, who's the drummer for uh, <laughs> yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> so random, but oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. one that I was like scrolling through and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so funny. So funny. Oh, uh, Tin Toy. The Tin Toy, which is one of uh, Pixar's uh, short films prior to making feature films. It was like a 1988 short film is in this movie. The Tin Toy that greets Bo Peep. Uh, in the like back in the like back party room or whatever that is, uh, mm-hmm. is another fun little Pixar uh, oh. Easter egg. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. I love that. Anything that we uh, we want to get in here before uh, before we say goodbye to the uh, the Toy Story gang for now. <laughs> I know for now. I know I, we're at least going to be talking about Buzz Lightyear again, but at least in a different uh, context. Yeah, yeah. I. The only other thing that I had taken a note of, I know that there's always like, and I don't know if they do it quite as much. There's always like a focus on like an animation thing. The lighting, the lighting in this one stood out to me. Like it's incredible, hugely. Uh, There was just some really, really great lighting, and I wondered if that was like their kind of focus for this one. So it it. The lighting thing is something that they really, really revamped when Monsters University came around, and we talked about it a lot with that one. I think this is maybe one of the best lit 
Pixar movies since oh, maybe that one. Yeah, I would because, totally agree with that. Yeah. Because this one and Monsters University do really, really cool experimental. Not a, it's not really experiment. I, I guess it's experimental. It's not really, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like they experiment with lighting in in ways that like arguably aren't necessary for them to do. They just like take it as far as possible. They like push their lighting so far between like the lighting in the rain, the lighting at the carnival, even just like, um, I'm trying to think of, there's a moment when uh, there's like a, a weird, like sunlit moment with like uh lens flare and everything. That's like meant to be the sort of like, heavenly realization lighting like they just do really wild shit with lighting yeah it looks so good they also had just like i felt like the antique shop was really well lit too it had like this very like kind of uh like the lighting was very well placed uh yes if that makes sense like it was like cut off and stuff like that and then also they did this like amber uh huge light a lot or like this like i guess sepia kind of toned light mm-hmm. that i feel like i hadn't really seen in other uh toy story movies that really worked like really well yeah yeah i mean this is the first this is the first toy story movie they made since they completely redid how they do lighting so it makes sense to me like mm-hmm. toy story 3 wasn't lit the same way either right um and the the shop i'm glad you you brought up the antique shop because they really intentionally like chose to light it in different ways. Like the front of shop is really like bright and light. That sort mm. of like front facing windows uh, where humans would be. And then like different areas of it, whether it's like the back, the quote back alleys of the antique shop or that weird little party room, whatever that was um, like, it's all lit very, very intentionally um, to give you like different vibes or like the, the rafters or whatever is even kind of lit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super, yeah. super incredible lighting in this movie. I don't even, I mean, I don't know that we're going to see lighting. I'm I'm thinking of the movies that we have ahead of us. I don't think we see lighting like this to date, you know? Well, because I mean, Maybe Lightyear a, lot of, will. a lot of other, a lot of the movies that have come after this have been a lot more stylized or oh, like yeah. high concept stuff. Yeah. Like this movie is technically supposed to take place in the real world, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that it, that is interesting. It, yeah, I, it, it looks really good in this. I think we'll have something to say about lighting with turning red, but I guess we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Oh, I sure. think they do some cool stuff too. But that's true. Yeah. But but to this sort of like dramatic effect, I don't think. Right. Yeah, I don't think we we get we've we've seen it since. I'm trying to look at other tech. Actually, weirdly, Forky was a really difficult thing for them technologically because oh, interesting. He's made of bits of trash, so he's like made of all <laughs> sorts of different materials. One of which is a pipe cleaner, which is weird and hard to do but it also looked like really good on screen mm-hmm. though. it looked incredible cleaner, that pli- pipe cleaner looks like realistic okay the fibers in general in this movie are bananas like yeah. everybody is they're all old toys at this point so they're all fraying but not so ridiculously so that it's distracting it's just like if you really really pay attention like down to like the string on jesse's hat is like <laughs> fraying like you mm. you will find fibers everywhere yeah, it's it's it. ridiculous but forky was weird because he's made of these bits of trash so he's like part plastic part wood he's got like glitter glue that is keeping his eyes on so there's literally glitter in the glue um and uh he moves weird because he's made of rigid materials so i guess there's a some, one of the producers was saying that you know the, they were just coming off of incredibles 2 and all these animators were doing like these inc- these amazing things with these human characters in this action movie and whatnot and then they get this forky character and 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 the director josh cooley had to come and be like actually like 
maybe you're doing too good of a job. Could you make it look crappier, perhaps? Like, because <laughs> he just moves, <laughs> he moves weird. Like, he doesn't move smoothly, you know? Yeah. So it, it's funny to think that, like, the the one of the more challenging characters was, like, this, you know, thing made of a bunch of trash. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's great. I yeah. loved his arms falling down. Like, yeah, that was, <laughs> was, that was so, good. so good. Yeah. I like the point where like Woody is like trying to fix them and like pulls them tighter. Like it's yeah. just such a good little detail. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like Tony Hale's such a good casting. Oh for my God. That yeah. character. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very good. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Well, Tommy, thank you for, uh, thank you for watching this movie. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for coming to talk to us about it. Thank like you. I said, I wasn't sure if you would if you were gonna. <laughs> no, I mean, I I I would have had to have watched this movie at some point in my life, I feel like. Um and I'm glad that I did because like it really was I mean, I think it's it was completely different than anything I was expecting. Uh sure. in in good and bad ways, but like or I don't even know if I would say bad, but like good in just different ways. Mm-hmm. Um so no, I'm I'm really glad that y'all had me had me back on to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if people want to find you or stuff that you're working on, I know you have a podcast, uh, that's, that's especially relevant right now, uh, with regards to Disney plus stuff, uh, where could they find you and listen to your, your stuff? Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Twitter. I am at awkward comma. Um, and our podcast is at distant echoes SW. Um, and you can just follow us on there or search for us on, uh, we're at, uh, distant echoes, a star Wars podcast on any of your podcast platforms. Yes. And I say that because at the time of recording, we're just, uh, getting into Obi-Wan. We absolutely are. Yes. And we're going to be talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Well, if you, uh, if you would like more from Derek and me, I would direct you first to our Patreon at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers, which is the home of falling with style and check out our discord. There is a channel on our discord just for Pixar stuff. Uh, So if you have thoughts about toy story four or any Pixar movie, honestly, because at this point we've seen them all um, feel free to let us know. Uh, if you want to find us individually, you can do that too. Derek, where can people find you and the stuff you're working on? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast, Gimmicks, which is a podcast that looks at the high concept, experimental, and structure-breaking, gimmicky episodes of television with a new show and new guest every week. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts or on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. If you like Pokemon stuff, you can listen to me on a Pokemon podcast called Victory Road, where I get together with friends and talk about Pokemon just as I feel like it. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Vicky and Katie and I catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately. If you would like uh, Derek and me on a very frequent basis talking about Spider-Man stuff, uh, you can check out our weekly podcast, Walloping Web Snappers, where we deep dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. And you can find that wherever you get your podcast. We've got nearly 150 episodes on our main feed that you can dive into. 
Uh, you can visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com or follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, which, like I said, is the home of Falling With Style. If you want to email us specifically about Pixar stuff, you can do so at pixarpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms because if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too, and they just haven't found us in those ratings and reviews. Help us tremendously uh, as they help us show up uh, in more search results. So if you're looking for Pixar stuff, those ratings and reviews help people find Pixar stuff. Um, next month, we move into what I think is a new era for Pixar. Um, more so than just the fact that it is largely going to be considered the streaming era of Pixar. Because oh, that's not geez. really the point. Uh, it's it's a, it's an artistic era, I think. Uh, a stylistic era of Pixar. Uh, and I'm excited to get to it. We've, we're moving beyond the sequels, at least for now. Uh, and that era kicks off with uh, one of the last movies, if not the last movie I saw before the pandemic in theaters, <laughs> Onward. <laughs> See you then. See ya.